We'd like to thank all of our patrons for making this episode possible, especially our elite patrons. Chris Williams, Heather Sachs, Joe from Real Spoilers, Pete from Middle Class Film Class, and Nerdrovert. Join these fine folks at patreon.com slash binge movies. This is going to be a first, uh, a first in the history of the show after hundreds, over 100 episodes of ranking episodes and, I don't know, multiple co-hosts and global pandemic and uh, a couple wars, maybe a third world war. Here we are. Uh, this is the first because we've we've done directors, we've done actors, we've done actresses, we've done movies in general, but we've never, that I remember, and somebody out there will probably correct me, specifically focused on somebody who was not a director uh, or an actor, somebody who just did the special effects. And to say just did the special effects, does this particular guy a great disservice? Of course, I'm talking about the legendary Ray Harryhausen, but I'm not here by myself, dear listener. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to ramble on by myself for hours and hours about old-timey movies. I'm here with a very special guest who comes highly recommended from the good folks over in the St. Louis area, uh, one of the one of the great, great podcasts out there, Real Spoilers. I'm joined by Matt, who came with so much acclaim, it's going to be damn near impossible <laughs> for him to live up to the hype. Matt, the pressure is on. Welcome to Binge Movies. We shouldn't have set the bar <laughs> that high. Thanks, thanks, for having, thanks for having me on, Jason. <laughs> I really well, do appreciate it. This is this is a subject I'd love to talk about. Well, I'm glad so. because I'm going to be honest with you, other than by reputation and, of course, seeing some of these movies on basic cable growing up, I knew nothing right. about Ray Harryhausen, and I had not seen, or at least had not seen, some of these movies in decades at this point. Um, uh, and it's really interesting because one of these movies I have a very uh, – quasi special connection to even though i wasn't overly familiar with it we'll get to it when we get there uh so what okay. is it about ray harryhausen films or ray harryhausen the man the special effects guru and we'll get into it when we get into the movies uh more specifically but what is it specifically purposely personally for you that made you want to do this episode and had kevin r bracket from real spoilers go there's one guy in the cosmos who is <laughs> ready for this entry and it's not tom o'keefe it is matt matt what's the answer to that question why why are you here? well i will say it, it, it's going to come down to uh you really got to lean into an old guy for <laughs> stuff like this uh, <laughs> you know when when i was a kid you know you, this was before cable this is before vcrs stuff like that you're just at the mercy of what gets shown on on regular television and growing up in the St. Louis area, there was a uh, local channel, Channel 11, that on Saturday afternoons, you're almost guaranteed every week to some kind of monster movie. Usually it was a Godzilla movie or it was a Ray Harryhausen movie. You know, you would, you would almost guarantee that every week you would see a different one. So that's just nostalgia of my youth. And that was something that really captured my imagination at the time. And um, yeah. So I think it's a lot of this has to do with, you know, my interest in, you know, mythology or my interest in mm. monsters or something like that. You're a little kid that really, really grabbed my attention. So, and so when you, 
you know, it was, when you yeah, were ahead, a little kid, the the epicness of these movies, there many many of them that we're going to talk about. We're we're not going to talk about uh, every movie ever did. We're going to focus on five, which includes Mighty Joe yep. Young. It came from Beneath the Sea, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Jason the Argonauts, and Clash of the Titans. What's interesting is we say Ray Harryhausen movies. He did not direct these films, <laughs> but he became, <laughs> he may be Correct. the only special effects person in the history of film who, when you think about movies he worked on, you think about him almost as an above the title figure, though he wasn't. Like everybody you know, of this a certain generation, correct. like yeah. we know Stan Winston and, you know, we know Dennis Murin right. and we know Richard Edlund and all these sort of people. We know them, we know their names. And you can kind of tell the movies that they worked on. But we don't say, oh, that's a Stan Winston movie or, oh, that's right. a that's a Richard Edlund movie as if they directed it or wrote it or the creative mind behind it. I think well, as we get into it with the movies, I think it's fair to say that it's because of almost every movie he worked on, especially the five that we're going to talk about. It's his work that kind of makes these movies timeless. You agree? That's correct. That's yeah. the selling point yeah. of the movie. I mean, and that's the reason why when these get shown on Turner Classic Movies or when they get put out on DVD sets, it's always the Ray Harryhausen collection, not director, not star. Because a lot of these don't, they don't carry over the same director or star anyway. Even just say, for example, the Sinbad movies, there's three of them. And then every third, every one, it's a different actor, (laughs) different group. I mean, there's no continuity. The only continuity is the special effects. That's it. It's so interesting because he has this like unique place. And again, we've never done anything like this. The show we're doing it because one of our elite patrons, that's our top tier over on Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. One of our elite patrons who is also a listener of real spoilers and is a part of the league of show sharers over there. Heather Sachs was like, Hey, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've heard her name 10 million times. Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so Heather was like, do Ray Harryhausen, do these five films. So she picked the movies. She picked Harryhausen. Here we are. It all worked out to be kismet uh, because. That's yeah. great. Well, I, I hope I'm, I'm, I do Heather proud with now this. The, so. See, now the pressure's really sure on was, because. It is really on because she might look and go, what the <laughs> hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> because you and Heather are in wanted. the same circles. Yeah, right, so exactly. she's going to come exactly. after you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, she, she, she yeah, you're part of the real spoiler cinematic universe, and so so is she, right? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. you guys will, That's well, right. Let's That's not right. waste any time. Let's get right into it because okay. I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about. That more so than the movies themselves, kind of philosophically, which I think is going to be an interesting conversation. Right. I'm going right. to lean a little bit on you because this is uh, I'm kind of a newbie when it comes to some of these movies, so. Uh, I'm going to lean on you and, uh, yeah, Heather, I, if if this, if this sponsored episode is the worst thing (laughs) you've ever listened to, then don't blame me. Do not blame Matt. No, no, no. Blame me. Blame Matt. Oh, oh. Matt has been gracious with his time and any, any guest of binge (laughs) movies, I give nothing but praise to because it's a lot to ask. Hey, watch these five movies and talk about them for hours. That's a lot. (laughs) Blame Kevin R. Brackett. All right, without much further ado, I'm looking at my watch. I think it's about that time. I think we should get to our rankings. Let's start with 1949's Mighty Joe Young, which currently has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Here's the kind of movie you're waiting to see as John Ford and Miriam C. Cooper present Mighty Joe Young, whose sensational exploits will startle you, thrill you, electrify you with hair-raising excitement and suspense. See Mighty Joe Young as he savagely resists capture in his native Africa. Oh! See the most fantastic relationship between beast and beauty. A mere girl mastering a primitive giant. See mighty Joe Young, enraged by Hollywood pranksters, destroy Filmland's swankiest nightclub on the fabulous Sunset Strip. Mighty Joe Young, the picture that's alive with the most sensational action thrills ever filmed. Mightier than King Kong. Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young was directed by Ernest Day Shudasuk. We're going to butcher a bunch of names here, folks, because... <laughs> oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> it was cool. written by Ruth Rose. It's a story by uh, Maria C. Cooper. It was released July 27th, 1949. On a budget of $1.8 million, it made $1.95 million. So not a hit. King Kong's better-looking cousin gets the beauty <laughs> and a better career. This is the ex <laughs> same creative team and a lot of the same actors that was in King Kong that were, that were in King That's Kong. That's correct. King Kong comes out in 33. This movie comes out in 49. It is almost in some way, I think the best way to categorize this is like a kind of upbeat, soft reboot of King Kong. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also, when it comes down to it, it's not a monster No, it isn't. Movie. Not at all. No. It, it, it's just a, it's just an oversized gorilla. There's no dinosaurs. There's no weird creatures. There's no fantastic island full of beasts. It's just um, an orphaned gorilla raised on a ranch in Africa and just oversized. And then here's where we get to the the King Kong comparisons. It's you've got the the guy that owns the nightclub that needs a, a hook, yep. and he brings the the girl and the ape back to you know. And here we yes. go. So, the, and the, yeah. the other difference too is the girl and the ape. The relationship is almost more like siblings in a way. Like the the love. That's of, right. Yeah, she helped. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the grew love, up together. She was love a kid between who, them, obviously, but yeah. they're more like right, siblings right. than rather than like oh, you know, this this quote unquote monsters in right. love with this woman or whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. This definitely okay. So he's, he's still protective. Yes, her. very much so. Yeah. So. On this film, Ray Harryhausen is not the lead special effects guy for the stop motion. He is credited as the first technician, but it's a lot of his techniques that he would go on in later films. This is the one that kind of gets him the look. This is the one That's where people right. start to recognize, okay, this guy has a unique skill. Because obviously stop motion existed before Ray yes. Harryhausen. Right. Actually, the, the lead animator on this was Willis O'Brien, who did King Kong. Yeah and son of Kong and you know, any other stop motion that may have happened around that time. And obviously he was top of the heap at the time. Yes. And Harryhausen was basically, he mentored Harryhausen and got him on this movie. And then, then he just took the reins and ran with it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and it's really hard to think about now because the way we do special effects now, it's obviously mostly digital, especially effects of this scope, right? We're right. not building giant right. models anymore. We're certainly not doing stop motion. Uh, we are for, you know, if you're doing oversized ape or something or a monster or something mythical or a mythical land or anything like that, you're, you're not going to be using miniatures. Typically, you're going to be using CGI. 
uh, digital effects. Yep. And there's all these different digital effects firms that do the work. And then those firms have tens of thousands of people that work in a movie in China or elsewhere. Oh, goodness. Right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they <clears throat> This this was not the case back then. The case back then was you had a relatively small team of people who were given a budget. Most of this was done in most special effects were done wire, string, miniature, and stop motion. And most, if we're being honest, most of the special effects were terrible in these movies. <laughs> but the folks who worked on King Kong and the folks who worked in Mighty Joe Young, including now Ray Harryhausen coming on for Mighty Joe Young were the cutting, bleeding edge of special effects in the 1930s and 40s and into the, into the 60s, basically. They were at the cutting edge to where it seems arcane now, maybe a little honky-tonk if we're looking at it now, some of these effects. Uh, but honestly, I think of all the movies that are on our list, I think some of the effects in Mighty Joe Young are some of the best. Yes, very good. And, and it's... Of of all these, I think there's only two on this this list that are in black and white, and I think you can hide a lot of things right. in black and white. You can't in color, yeah. so um, yeah, no, I think it it's very believable. And there's not a lot of situations in that movie that are really fantastic. You know, I mean, if he's having a fight with lions, or he's you know climbing a burning building, or something like that, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you would see in real life. So you're not, it's not like King Kong climbing a skyscraper right. or, or, you know, fighting a, a, a dinosaur. Well, the thing that I was amazed uh, with this movie was the fluidity of his body movement yeah. and the complexity of how they integrate him into the movie, because Joe is entirely stop motion. And is they are using miniatures or using rear screen projection, using like miniature rear screen projection because they're taking film, they're shooting real backgrounds, they're using those background plates, but they're shrinking them down to scale to Joe because Joe's obviously yeah. a miniature, you know, stop motion puppet basically. And so yep. you have real footage that's miniature projected behind him to his scale and then real people composited into the shot, uh, either through forced perspective or through very rudimentary early compositing. And then the only place where it gets a little wonky is sometimes when it switches from, and this is, this is true in all of his films, where it switches from the, the person, being an actual person in a composited shot to then becoming the person stop motion. Because yes. then this, yeah, we're all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden it's a clay puppet in the hand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It's a clay yeah. puppet in the hand. Right, right. But yeah. even worse than it being a clay puppet, which is pretty obvious, the clay puppet is like half the size of Joe. So the sca the yes. scale's all off. Yes, yes. But the yeah. one thing that I noticed in Mighty Joe Young in particular is the way that he moves at Joe, the way that that Joe moves, and the way that he moves around. It's like. You know, I've seen movies and, and stop motion. And I, I would say between King Kong and this film, these two films, and he didn't work on Kong, but he did work on this one. The visual language that's used to this day for special effects shots and special effects creatures was more or less created in those two films. I would agree. And even the way that computers do the tracking and we just the way that we do digital creatures now it's it it's it's really hard to think about but it's like 
it's not just a matter of the the technique of being able to get these things on camera. Somebody had to think about, especially with stop motion, the movement of these creatures and how does that play on camera and how do we insert them into, it's not just a matter of being able to do it. It's a matter of, of they had to actually invent the visual filmmaking language to integrate these effects into the film because it hadn't been done like this before, especially before something like a King Kong, not to that scale, mm-hmm. not to that effect. And then following up with, with this film, Mighty Joe Young. So it's like the seeds of what you see today in a average Avengers movie or a Spider-Man movie where Spider-Man's entirely a digital character. They can trace the roots all the way back to the work of Harry Housen and his predecessors. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, happy accidents that happen in these movies. I don't know if you mm. ever noticed on King Kong and Mighty Joe Young, there's actual real fur on these puppets. Yeah. So when they're moving these, you know, if they move them one second at a time, that that fur gets moved. And so just again, it's a happy accident. It kind of looks like it's moving in the breeze, kind of like, mm. a, you know, it's what it is, is it's, it's fingerprints moving it around when they're, they're moving the puppet around. But it, it actually adds Oddly enough, a slight layer of realism to it. I, a couple of notes about this movie. So what's hilarious is, where okay, where does Mighty Joe Young come from? And the movie just says Africa. And this always right. blows my mind because to this day, white folks love to call the entire continent of multiple sovereign nations Africa. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. In the old movies, it's it's basically Tarzan, Africa. It's not <laughs> there, there's not a, there's not a lot of nuance. It's it's nobody. It's, yeah, nobody's saying I'm Tanzania. Nobody specifying right. Nigeria. Nobody specifying. Oh, no. this is happening in Ghana. Oh, this is happening no. in Senegal. This is ha- you. Know, it's just Africa. And when you hear right. people to this day, a huge continent, <laughs> yeah. When you hear people to this day outside of movies. It's you're talking about as if it's this one monolithic nation instead of a giant <laughs> continent full of separate nations <laughs> with right, their own right. culture, own language, right. multiple languages, multiple dialects per country, multiple histories. Like it's just it's it's a very ignorant Western kind of perspective. So that, that I was just yeah, like, and, I'm, and I'm sure in you know in the 1940s to an American when you refer to Africa, it's very exotic. Yeah, you it. just say Africa and they just think of this. They would also say the Orient when they're talking <laughs> yeah. about the Asian country. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. They would just say this it's blanket right. term that doesn't mean anything. In, That's right. And all of a sudden it invokes this sense of wow, what kind of weird exotic culture is this without doing the homework and finding out it's not much different than yours. You yeah, know? the Orient was basically uh, Asia. Africa right. was uh, everything else. Um, yeah. then, um, uh, the Amazon was South America. <laughs> sure. And that yeah. was, yeah. that was it. Right. It, yeah. You know, yeah. It was like, but the thing is, if you, if you said to the average American, the average person in the United States of America, and you just referred to the United States as North America, or you referred to the individual States of just as being well, America, well, you live in America. You'd be like, well, I, you know, I live in Missouri. Yeah, nah, you live in America. It's all the same. Right. We right. would be so offended at that. Like, oh no, I have my own <laughs> culture. I'm from my I'm 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 a proud Missourian. 
Exactly. It's like exactly. We, we don't, and then it's even even more subset than that. You know, what I mean, you would like when you say America, that means Canada, that means correct, Mexico, that correct. means U.S. You know, and you're, you're, you're you know, if you're from Rhode Island, you don't want to say, "Well, I'm not from you know correct. Vancouver." It's right. You know? It's right. But we, we have no problem lumping entire uh, right, completely the entire yeah. one. Yeah, one thing. Now the to, to the so that's kind of a it's like a slight knock. It's a, you're right. It's a product of the time. It's unfortunately still something that hangs with us to this day. But um, yeah, the other the, one of the things that I noted is that Terry Moore plays the young Jill Young, no pun intended, and she's <laughs> a little girl that kind of buys slash adopts Joe. Yes, and yeah. most kids. We have a very checkered history here in binge movies with kid actors. We we don't tend to like them, <laughs> but she's really good and really cute and really pitch perfect for this movie. And that's kind of the big difference again between this and Kong, where Joe is not being presented as this scary monster. Even like the the biggest showpiece almost of the film is when he has. Uh, the adult Jill on a platform in his hands over his head. And he's they're spinning almost like a music box. And she's yes. playing the piano on the platform at like this big grand piano. And then he's on a platform and they're spinning around on the stage. And it's really her. You know, they've composited her into the shot with the miniature Joe beneath her. And it looks really good. And that's like kind of, and it's like, okay, that is the complete, tonal difference between this and, and King Kong. So this isn't just, you know, I think going into this, the only mighty Joe young I'd ever saw was the nineties remake, which I remember being terrible. So in my <laughs> mind, I, I always thought of the, this, you know, the, the 49 version of this is kind of being a King Kong ripoff. I knew the overlap in creatives and, and, you know, I, it just, I, it felt like a kind of a cash grab of like, well, this was popular, you know, 15 years I'm, I'm ago. I'm sure it's, it's- that's what the studios did back then. If right. something's making money, we're going to make another one. I, I don't know. Is it that different today? You know, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's studios see a, a formula, they they stick to it. I I find it the one thing I find most interesting about that is the reuse of actors. So I'm sure you're going to get to this, but Robert Armstrong, who plays the nightclub owner, yeah. He's essentially playing his exact yes. same character yes. from from King Kong and Son of Kong. <laughs> so this is the third giant ape movie that he was in in a row. I don't know if he told his, you know, <laughs> you know when when they when they cast him, he's like, well, what what do I got to do to get out of these these monkey movies? You know, what I mean, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he was, his agent pretty much, hey we got we got a perfect role for you you're gonna be the slimy nightclub owner for another monkey movie yeah, yeah exactly but then you also have a heart of gold and you know you change your mind you kind of redeem yourself at the end and, and yeah 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 he had an entire career as being just kind of a, a, a dickwad and <laughs> giant monkey movies giant ape movies. right right um I honestly, I was very, very charmed by this movie. I, 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 I thought the you know, there's three really big set pieces in the film. We mentioned the one, which is the piano kind of tiny dancer thing. There's the fire, which you talked about. Then there's the yeah. rodeo rampage where he's they're they're trying to capture him essentially, and it's it's yes, yeah. and that's pretty impressive. That's where you get some of the hey, he picks somebody up, they turn into a clay puppet. You also have yeah. you also have like a, for a couple of frames. There's like a, or there's a reflection 
I don't know if you noticed that where there's there's basically like a, a pane of glass and uh, that's behind Joe and it's basically just reflecting the scene back to itself. So that was probably something right. that was done in the optical compositing. It just it wasn't seamless. And so there's like a, it's a little wonky in some places. Mm-hmm. But overall, for the era, for the time, for what they had to work with, the budget they had to work with, the time frame they had to work with, it's actually really impressive. And then you couple that with kind of like a sweet, more so sweet-natured, family-ish story. Um, yes. It's it's really kind of like a, a charming movie, and they introduce him as... It, it, the difference between this and King Kong is even like when they introduce Kong in Kong, the original... They introduce him as like, yeah. oh, this scary monster from the dark heart of the savage lands, you know, King yeah, Kong, yeah. you know, and not, they, <laughs> they introduce Joe as Mr. Joseph Young <laughs> of, yes, of Africa. Yes. Then, so the ape yeah. gets a formal name. He's not just mighty Joe <laughs> Young. He's not just Joe or Joe Young. He's Mr. Joseph Young of Africa. And he's that, and he's that on the credits. Yes. Too, so. Yeah. He's yeah. almost nobility, you know. It's like Sir right, right. Joseph Young. Um, I, I, I was f- thoroughly charmed with this. I'm a big wrestling fan, uh, uh, and 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 old, so a scene in this movie where he's when they're doing the nightclub act where there's all these strong men, and I noticed a couple of them by name, and so I googled them and figured out who was in it because they're all uh, old timey wrestlers. So there's oh that's great I didn't I did not know there's that Sammy Steen slamming Sammy uh, Meneker or something like that I think is his real name there's Max the Iron Man Bomber Henry Kilke uh, Carl Killer Davis Ivan Rasputin otherwise known as Rasputin the Mad Russian there's <laughs> William Wee Willie Davis there's Phil Olafson who is the Swedish Angel. Who I know because of his very distinct face, uh, he had a very particular disease that gave him that very distinct look. There, he wasn't right. even the original uh, Swedish Angel. There's other Swedish Angels. He was like the he basically stole that gimmick from somebody else. And if you know the Rocketeer, the Rocketeer, the, yeah, one of the main villains in the Rocketeer is partially based off of these guys who had that particular disease. The yeah, R- Rondo Hatton was the name yeah. of that actor from the 40s that go. they based. They did the prosthetics on the actor to make him look like that. Yep. But yes, I know exactly what you mean. A very distinct mug is what they have. Yes, yeah. very much so. And they always and they almost always get cast as heavies because of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And then Primo Carnero, uh, who was uh, had the at one time the most knockouts. He may actually still have this record. The most knockout wins of anybody in the history of boxing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing. Here's what it comes down to. And this is going to sound lame. Joe is cute. (laughs) Mighty Joe Young, Mr. Joseph Young of Africa. The puppet is cute. And the character is likable. And the story is pleasant. And of all the films that we watched this week, uh, I loved this one the most. My only knock against it. My only knock against it is the adult Jill about 80% of her dialogue is just her saying, Joe, no, Joe, 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 oh, Joe, run, Joe, no, Joe, hurry, Joe, Joe, where are you, Joe? And it's just, that got very taxing. If I had to hear Joe one more time, and 
if I heard Joe one time, I heard it a thousand times. So you know, I um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the actress who played the adult Jill, she was in the the remake. They gave her a, a cameo. They actually gave Harryhausen a cameo too. There was like a some kind of gala scene, and they were just uh, patrons at the at the party. Did all of her dialogue in the remake consist of her? Just like, <laughs> she, I don't think she had one. I don't think she had one word to say. <laughs> so she went from having only one word to say, yeah. which was Joe. They, they gave all the Joe lines to uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, on that to, one. So she got. No I, I'm I'm saying Joe now. <laughs> no, no, I'm the one that says Joe now. Yeah, yeah. I do the Joe. You just sit there in the background. I'm I'm yelling Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you were a kid was this one of the ones that was in heavy rotation what's your history with yeah, it yeah it came up quite a bit i mean it was and it was a great movie i mean i enjoyed it um it wasn't again when you're a little kid and you want monsters fighting monsters yeah. and you want action this isn't high on that list no you know what no. i mean this is this is you know basically it's a a movie about a, just an oversized animal so you know he's bring him to the states he's going to be a big star he gets mistreated then misunderstood and now we've got to rescue him and you know it's it's a really sweet story you know what i mean and and when i was a kid yes i, I really loved all of all these movies so it wasn't high on my list then it's probably higher on my list now mm. you know so the, at one point it, ranking all these i probably would have put this last but wow. now i move it up a little higher well just based on i'm just going strictly by nostalgia yeah. i'm going by what i got excited about when i was a kid you know and i'm going to see giant monsters i want to see giant monsters this one doesn't really have giant monsters but it's still a very good movie well there there's a lot of giant monsters in the rest of these movies and oh absolutely yeah there's there's giant <laughs> monsters this but i don't know that there's as much of an engaging story and as engaging characters because what this movie did and even critics at the time said this is one of the critics at the time said, even though it's like very clear, they referred to uh, Joe as a like a robot. I think somebody referred to, like the, this is a review, mm -hmm. contemporary review back in the forties, and they referred to him as like, well, you know, this robot, and, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I wouldn't call it a <laughs> robot, but okay. <laughs> but I get what they're going for, and it was like, even though it's clearly mechanical and and it's it never seems completely lifelike, the movie is successful basically because of the, the magic of the special effects of getting you to care about Joe as a character. And I found that to be true. I really cared about him and what happened to him and his plight. And I was happy that this movie has a good ending and a happy ending. And I was happy Absolutely. that the movie is more or less, you know, kind of an upbeat movie. And so for that reason, it's obviously my best of this binge. Uh, surprising even myself, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I really, really like this movie. It's my number one. Now, you said that when you were a kid, this wouldn't rank too high for you. You're not a kid anymore, Matt. You're a grown-ass man. I, you know Some what? would say it's, it's you're funny. an old man. So in your old age, I, I, I am old man. as an elderly man, <laughs> have you gained wisdom? <laughs> and where do you rank Joe now? Um, I have to say, you're kind of making me come around on this a bit. <laughs> I, had it, I had it ranked more around a you know 6.8 but i could be talked into that going up a little the more in you've made a very good point i judged a lot of these based off nostalgia i based and back then i jason on what's the cool monster look like well, do yeah. i want to draw that cool monster do i want you know what i mean yeah. 
This obviously didn't have that, but this one has a a creature that you could care about. None of these other movies have that. No, all the rest of these are just monsters to be battled by the the hero who also you don't care about. <laughs> I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you said it because you're going to notice a repeating yeah. theme throughout the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's not a lot of actors here or characters that you care about. You're there for the spectacle, yes. and that's about it. This this one, you're correct. Out of the all the ones on this list, this is the one that actually has a creature that you care about. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you care about what happens to Joe, we, whereas you can't say that almost about any of these others. Which is kind so. of a miracle because the movie's yeah. damn near 100 years old, and it's very clearly a stop-motion puppet. And you're like, yeah, I care. I care more about Joe than I care about most of the Avengers. <laughs> Very good point. You know, and, and like, that's not a small feat in a movie to get you to care about yeah. a character in general, let alone a, oh, like you said, an oversized ape, uh, let alone an oversized ape who is very clearly not real. <laughs> right, right. But they right. do it because of the facial features and the movements yeah. and if, if there is a modicum, even in 2022, of suspension of disbelief, yeah. and that is the expertise of the special effects crew. I, w- I would say it must have been very interesting for you know a moviegoer in the late 40s to go in and see this. I yeah. mean, what do you have to compare it against other than King Kong, King Kong, yeah. or or you know, I mean, or any other stop motion one that became it? I mean, this is at that time. That's about the best you're going to get as far as special effects go. I almost so I can see that being very believable. Yeah. as you know, I'm believing this as a as an actual gorilla. You know? I'm almost. I wonder if people were slightly disappointed because obviously King Kong is this huge smash hit. This movie did not do well. And and again, it's, you know, 16 years later, 15, 16 years later. So maybe that moment had passed. You know, maybe this movie felt passe by 49 in story-wise yeah. in some regards. Like, ah, we've been there, done that. Because obviously it didn't set the box office on fire like King Kong did. No. But I wonder, I wonder if also there was a bit of disappointment because it it, it isn't a monster movie. And King Kong really, it's a, it's a, it's a it's not really a monster movie that's kind of the moral of the story right is they take this natural creature and they try to they present him as a monster uh right and so therefore you know he kind of behaves like a monster or whatever but in the end we realize well the people were the monsters he really wasn't the monster the people were right they exploited him they they, you know yeah they just left him alone on skull island he would, yeah, you know, he would have been just. He would have been just fine. Um, yep. This is not the moral of this movie. I mean, they, they, there is mistreatment of Joe, but not by the family that raised him. Certainly not by Jill. Not by some of the other people in the movie who found him. You know, they, they. He's more of like, hey, look, he's just like you said, he's just an oversized gorilla, and they treat right. him more like a, a, a animal who's slash member of the family. And I wonder if it was like kind of a doubt, like kind of a disappointment because it's not a monster movie it's kind of more of a family drama you know yeah yeah so i wonder if audiences were kind of turned off by that I, I'm, I'm not sure yeah it could be maybe they were saying where why isn't he fighting a giant snake why isn't he yeah rampaging through the cities why is why is he only you know 15 feet tall instead of 
30 feet tall. I mean, the know, major set that, piece is, you know, a, a girl playing a piano and singing and him, yeah, him yeah. smiling. You do, like I said, you yeah. have the rodeo scene, which is kind of the biggest, like, between that and a couple of the scenes, like, where he's, like, fighting the wrestlers or whatever. The lion. But that, that's... That, yeah, the wrestlers and the... Yeah, yeah, that's played more almost for comedy, though, right? Of, like, him, yeah. him like, trying to knock out the ape, and he just kind of, like, touches him with his finger and then picks him right, up yeah, and throws, bowl, throws bowl, him bowl. in the pool and... You know, yeah. He, he's, yeah. So I, I I could see this being like, if you're thinking, hey, the people who made from the people who brought you King Kong and Son of Kong, here comes the next great ape, right? <laughs> Mighty Joe Young. And you go right. to the theater and you're like, what is this? Like, yeah, the special effects are good, <laughs> but it's it's just kind of this happy, more or less happy story. I could see people being right. turned off by that, but. Especially kids. If kids yes. are used to going to a monster movie, they want to see a monster movie. And again, that goes to play how I felt seeing this in the late seventies. You know, it's like, hey, I really enjoyed mm. this movie. It's not King Kong. You yeah. know what I mean? I I prefer to watch King Kong because I want to see him fight that T Rex. You know. So what was your score? What was your rank before I cut you off? <laughs> oh, oh, on this, I had I had this at a six point eight. Six point eight. You're gonna keep it there. Yep. You're gonna keep it there. You know what I. Uh, I I think I might move it up. It's hard because I'm going to have my reasonings for the yeah. other ones and they're, they're not based on the merits of the acting or the story. They're based on how I took it from the skill involved in the, the special effects. Right. Since we're actually talking about a Harry Hounds movie, yes. I'm going to base it based on that, not based on the, the, the writer's or the director's vision. Or, the, or lack thereof, you know, <laughs> or lack thereof. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These were, these were just made to get kids in the seats and and get money. They weren't trying to win any awards with these. Correct. So, so where's where does uh, Mighty Joe Young rank for you then? On on this list right now, it ranks at number four. Wow! No, you're killing me. Yeah. I know you. Well, and like I said, my reasonings for ranking these are going to be much different yeah. than yours. Yep. So you just have to take that with a grain of salt. I just, and everything you said is a very good argument. And I could use those exact talking points you said to probably move this up pretty high on the list. Now, my number one, I'll never move from my number one. But I could see this moving up past maybe three. It, be, it, better, move, it better be higher than the next movie on our list. <laughs> <laughs> Which it, is, it came it, from beneath the sea. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's definitely higher than that one. <laughs> it currently has a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. A tidal wave of terror engulfs the screen as a raging monster from the dawn of creation attacks the world of man. Here, gentlemen, is your villain. We've taken an enormous number of those to disable a Navy submarine. Or just one of enormous size, Mr. Chase. See, they picked an atom sub to go out and fight this thing. Why is that, Commander? Could be because of the new electronic equipment or her speed. Was she ordered back here from Hawaii just for that? That's right. I think it's as bad as that, do you? I think we're lucky she's here. The H-bomb blasted it loose from the depths of the Pacific. But not even the H-bomb can kill it. Unknown object coming this way. Entering minefield. Stand by, number 38, mine. Fire. That's the end of our first line of defense, Miss Joyce. Then the red alert.
West Coast reels under Holocaust as the men and weapons of the atomic age battle to the death against the ageless monster of the deep. It Came From Beneath the Sea was directed by Robert Gordon. It was written by Hal Smith and George Worthington Yates. It was, or Worthing Yates, I'm sorry. It was released July mm-hmm. 1955 on a budget of $150,000. And boy, does it show. It made yeah, $1.7 million. A ra- Back then, that's a lot of money. It is, but it's it's not one point something million that Mighty Joe Young had. That's true. A radioactive true. octopus gets desperate for food and turns towards eating man. Okay, <laughs> I watched the colorized version of this. Oh, I didn't even know there was a colorized version. There is. Uh, the only thing that makes it any good is that the title card and the title card comes up and it's in color and they put it like in this like like pukey seaweed green. It looks really cool. It looks because it's kind of like a, a 3D almost, you know, the, the way it came from oh, beneath sure. the sea. Yeah. You know, it's a very particular font. So that looks pretty cool. Otherwise, uh, I, it's completely unnecessary. In fact, I think, <laughs> again, I think it detracts probably from the movie, which we'll get into with some of these other ones. Because like you said, with black and white, you can kind of hide some stuff. Right. This, But not a lot. I mean, you can yeah. still see that, that that giant tentacle is not in sharing the same space as everything else. That's correct. You know I mean, yeah. yeah. And I can, I'm wondering in the, now I'm kind of curious about the colorized version because I don't know if that would make it better or worse. I'm thinking makes it worse. I, I haven't seen the black and white version, but based on my experience of watching this in color, I would say maybe it works. <laughs> okay. So the special effects, this is the first time the special effects are by Ray Harryhausen. And in fact, yes. the script for this movie was specifically designed because they wanted to make a Harryhausen movie. They wanted to make a monster movie and they wanted Harryhausen to be the guy. So they wrote the script around the set pieces they wanted him to make. So can we consider this one of the first movies that put special effects before stories? Oh, this is hands down. I mean, there's only one reason people would go to see this movie is to see a giant octopus tearing down a golden gate bridge or, you know, what are the other, coastal line south san francisco um landmarks or he's bringing down a ship or a submarine that's the only reason to watch this movie that's all it is there's no there's no there's no other reason it, it and it's a product of its time in the 50s atomic age giant monster movies were the thing you know what i mean you have godzilla yeah. which came out i think maybe a year or two before this which is still in my mind the gold standard yes. of that genre yeah but then you had a ton of others. You had, you know, them, which was giant ants. You had tarantula, which obviously giant tarantula. Night of the Leavis. Um, yeah, Night of the Leavis. That was later. <laughs> now that was in the seventies. But uh, yeah, that, that that one's pretty bad. Um, you know, another one from this era that is better than this is another Ray Harryhausen was uh, the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was in my notes. If, if you had to, pick, if you had to pick a radioactive monster, goes amok you know, 1950s stop motion movie. I think that one's obviously superior. So when Heather sent this in, I did a double check on the, I was like, did I get that title wrong? Because I thought for sure it would have been 
the beast from 20,000 fathoms, but I was like, no, she wrote, it came from beneath the sea. So I'm hoping she didn't, <laughs> Heather, I hope you know what you're asking for. <laughs> Cause I was surprised it was this one because it, this, I, I would have personally, I would have gone with the beast from 20,000 fathoms. I, In fact, I thought that came up before this. I could be wrong. Obviously it, it did. No, it did. It came out in 53 and it was actually, so there was, there was three kind of things that semi inspired this movie. The first thing that inspired it, according to legend, right, was the hydrogen bomb. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that, that and the, the dropping, obviously, of the, the atomic bomb in, in Japan, which would have, was the impetus for Godzilla. Uh, basically, you know, the 50s, we enter into, by the late 40s, the atomic age. And so all of these horror movies and B movies and sci-fi movies, they're all obsessed with this idea of some XYZ gets exposed to radiation, becomes a giant monster. Yes. Yeah. Right? Reef, yeah, well, look, yeah, yeah. Man should have never tampered with yes. this type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So this movie's definitely in league with that. So uh, yeah. that was partially the inspiration. Of, uh, and the the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms was partially inspiration. I think that's where they just kind of wanted to, like, okay, let's get that guy, let's get him to make another monster, and then we'll just figure out the story around the special effects. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they had sets built and that octopus going well before they had even the entire movie plotted out. They maybe had <laughs> new storyboards and said, Hey, you yeah. know what? It takes a while. You got to shoot one second per frame. So get cracking on that giant octopus and we'll, we'll worry about things that go around it later. Yeah, that, that was a, a, get- a very, a very loose story with people you don't care about. <laughs> and you, you, you wanted to see golden gate bridge torn down. That's what you're getting. Now you, you know? said get cracking. See- is that a oh, pun intended? That's a pun intended. It's a pun received. It's a pun received, my friend. That's now, did right. you notice um, something about this octopus? There's a, something very, very famous me, about the octopus in this film. You mean that it's missing two tentacles? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> for budgetary they reasons. Have, they didn't have the budget. They didn't have the budget for eight tentacles. They came to Harryhausen and they said, hey, for your yeah. giant octopus movie, can't do eight legs <laughs> it's an octopus right, we, won't, we, got the, we got the budget for six that's all you got that shows you right there matt the level of uh i don't want to put this creative integrity behind this film Where they're like <laughs> we, we 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 have no idea for a movie all we know is we want to make a monster movie by this point yep. Harry Housen has ascended as the guy so we're going to yep. get the guy to make a monster for a monster movie so we can sell it to teenagers at drive-ins. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is this is getting kids to show up to a double... This is probably a double feature on a Saturday matinee with some other giant monster I'm movie. sure... You know yeah, I mean? I'm sure it was. You know, that, that's all it was. You know, and or like you said, drive-in flatter. And then he gets you into know, it. Yeah. He's working the creature. They come to him and go, no, nope, get rid of two limbs. Can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't. Yeah, we can't. Too much to pay for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll hope nobody notices. Nobody's gonna count them. I don't. They didn't even. <laughs> I okay, Matt. I got a. I got a confession time here for you. Yeah, I don't like fifties B movies. I don't like it. Oh wow! I don't like okay. any of them. And here's why. Okay, it's just a lot of white guys standing around <laughs> in labs. Crew, they're just basically just <laughs> bad sets, and and or like high school chemistry classrooms <laughs> and they're just monologuing and monologuing and monologuing. And the vast majority of these movies are just people talking about 
just stuff that doesn't matter and you don't care about the characters. There's always a love triangle. There's always a female, but there it was because it's the fifties. Shots, shots of the military, and you've yes. got the the general yes. pointing to something in the distance. And yes, th- there's it's definitely a formula. It is now, a formula, and it drives it, me insane. I find it. <laughs> I, I, it's like paint drying. And the, <laughs> the only exception I can make for this movie is while it is all of those things I just said, uh, one that the submarine set. Uh, which I think they maybe actually shot part of it on like a real submarine. I, I might be mistaken yeah. about that. Maybe. I don't know. It looks uh, very good. The submarine yeah. set that they're on uh, looks really good. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, there's really not much to talk about this. It's, it's, it's a giant octopus. It's attacking the city. I, I I find it funny because it's how far into the city is it going to go? You know what I mean? That's it. That, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know, there's there's not much far it can go. It's not like Godzilla. It's not going to climb on the land and start stomping. That's things. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's a coastal and, crisis uh, at best. Let, right, let it exactly. Have the coast exactly. just move inland. Right. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna a slight aside here. Sure. Have you ever seen um one of the more recent Godzilla movies? The most recent one in Japan was called Shin Godzilla. It came out about maybe about six years ago. I've seen it, and it's yeah. kind of, of I recall nothing about it other than I think it's kind of a deconstruction yeah. of Godzilla, right? Isn't that right? Right. But one of the best parts of it, in my mind, was there was a lot of bureaucratic yes, argument right. over whose job is it to take care of this. If he's in the bay, that's the Coast Guard's that's job. Right. If he gets on land, <laughs> right. then, you know. So you can think about this with the octopus. It's like, well, you know, if you're the army, you're like, well, I mean, it's not coming on land. That's not my That's business. A Navy you issue. know, let's take care of this. Yeah. yeah. I did laugh. So. I got one laugh out of a line I was not supposed to laugh at. At one <laughs> point, there's two random sailors. They're talking about it. And because this, uh, the sub that they're in is uh, radioactive. It's, it's a nuclear sub. Right. And so they're in, they're there with just the isotopes. <laughs> And the guy goes, I don't know. I, I hear it makes you so you can't have children, which I thought was a, just a fun. His line delivery is hilarious. And then the captain goes, well, we won't be down here too long, so we don't have to worry about that. And then I thought to myself, don't people work down there? There's a whole crew of people working in that room. And, the, yeah, the captain and the other guy, Mac or whatever his name is, that you might not have to be down there very long. But what about the crew that's down there? They're all <laughs> they're, we're not worried about them having children. Yeah. They're they're I, I yeah, lo- they're married to the sea anyway. I love that the the level of scientific knowledge about like radiation at this point was. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't really know that much back then, right? That's why they're able to make these these movies just, you know, like, hey, we don't really know what's gonna happen. Maybe it makes giant, you know, insects and it makes giant you monsters know, and, and sterilizes you know, whatever. Men. That's all that it does. Right, yeah. That's two things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, good yeah. for two things. It's hilarious to me. There's only one other uh thing of note on this, and I didn't even realize this until I went back and looked at the cast. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Aviator? Yes, I have. Yep. Okay, okay. I don't know if you remember the scene where um Howard Hughes is dating this rather young actress. Oh no. And uh, she, she gets mad late. She gets mad. She gets mad later and tries to ram her car into when he, she gets jealous. Cause he's out with Ava Gardner. Yeah. Well, the actress who he's dating. There's that's the one that played the, the lead in here. That's Dr. So, Joyce, uh, the Faith, lady scientist. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Faith Demure is the name of the actress. 
that's who that character was in in the well, the, So in real life, yeah, in real life, she dated uh, Howard Hughes. Well, by her name, I have Va Va Voom. <laughs> she's in a really weird like she's kind of maybe sleeping with the scientist but she ends up kind of provoc being provocative with the uh the navy captain I right mean, it's never like right. really defined and it's, and it's just sort of like yeah. it's just like passed back and forth by these men and it's a really it's well, a really weird thing because as a character she kind of has more autonomy than you would think as a woman in the 50s as a scientist because at some point she she has a line about like, oh god, they're sitting around talking, and basically he's like, why don't you why don't you quit your job and come on the road with me, honey? Like something like that. And she's like, <laughs> I'm a successful scientist. Like, why don't you quit your job and come come with me or something like that? And I was like, okay, all right, all right. That's a little spicy. <laughs> That's a little advanced for that. It age, is, but, yeah. But you know, and, and as far as like you know her having any kind of relationship like that, I'm sure they knew their audience is. You know what? Eight, nine-year-old boys, ten-year-old horny teen boys. They don't care about this. But yeah, at the at the most, they don't care about this. They don't care no. who she ends up with. They don't care what her job is. They don't care any of this. I, they don't care what the other people's job is. They want to see somebody fight. They want to see the monster tear something down. They want to see the military blow up the monster. Yeah, she's on the beach at one point. She does. Uh, I think she's maybe in a bikini, if I'm not mistaken, or a swimsuit or something. Yeah. They 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 heavily imply they have sex at the beach. It was like a little more <laughs> risque in some ways, like sexually and the sexual politics. I thought it was one thing that is very, very old. Uh, wow. I should say it's very old timey, but it isn't given everything we know about the way the world works, but is that workplace sexual harassment is just as American as full flavored invigor oh, sure. invigorating cigarettes yeah. and all American Colombian coffee. Right. You know, if you were to follow a busy doctor as he makes his daily round of calls, you'd find yourself having a mighty busy time keeping up with him. Time out for many men of medicine usually means just long enough to enjoy a cigarette. And because they know what a pleasure it is to smoke a mild, good-tasting cigarette, they're particular about the brand they choose. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Why not change to Camels for the next 30 days and see what a difference it makes in your smoking enjoyment? See how Camels agree with your throat. See how mild and good tasting a cigarette can be. <laughs> like, I, the, the, like, she's getting har literally harassed at her job. Yeah, and like I'm yeah. surprised this army captain is, isn't like 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 trying to squeeze her ass in the movie, like <laughs> or giving her a slap, you know. And it's like, and right. then, so it's just there's something about it where it's like, yeah, it's kind of distasteful that she kind of ends up with him, but then again, the movie kind of redeems itself because she kind of like is like, I'm not quitting my job, like to be with you. So I don't know because he wants her to like quit yeah. quit the job and become a housewife, and she's like, Nah, I'm not doing that. So yeah, I'm sticking with the job. Yeah. Hey, but good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I said, this was this was an easy bottom of the list of the. Same. The only thing that matters about this is the monster. The monster isn't in all that much. It's not that impressive, especially yeah. in color. Uh, the they they shoot it with some flamethrowers. It goes back in the sea. They blow it up. End right. of story. And and I I can't even remember if you 
ever see the entire no. monster all at once. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's 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 a lot of tentacle. It's a lot of oh, there's the head just poking a little bit up out of the water, you know. And some of the, and even in the underwater yeah. scenes, it's really murky. You're not going to see a lot. So no. Yeah, that's all there really is to say about it, right? They're selling you tentacles. Yeah. They're selling you a little bit of eye candy with the female doctor. Yeah. And, the, and that's about and it. And the rest of it is just, um, I, honestly, I thought I was going to have to fast forward the movie at one point. And it's not that long because it's definitely no. it's, it's like 90 minutes or less because it's definitely part of a double feature of this one for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. And absolutely. I, it's just when they were on the radio. He just kept saying, over. Oh, can you hear me, over? <laughs> oh, I got you right here, Steve. Over. Hey, you see the monster, over? Yeah, yeah. Not quite yet, over, but we're in the helicopter, over. And it just goes, and it, this scene, and what, what it is, is it's filler. Right. All of these yep. dialogue scenes, they could accomplish the same thing in like a minute, but they're all 10 minutes long because it's all filler. It, that, those, yep. that's, those are all the parts where you're supposed to be making out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's, here's 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 the part where you get it on with your that's date it. in the theater. That that's yeah. the part that is when you get your first yeah. handy, or as we like to call them here at Binge <laughs> Movies, old fashions. You get your first old fashioned, and, and and then you know the monster comes back on, and then you know you look at the monster and you go ooh, and then you go back to fooling around. That's all this movie is, and because of that, uh, it is not my worst of the week, surprisingly. But it's pretty darn Ooh. close. It's my number four. Give it a five out of ten. I, I also I gave it a five. Yeah, I also did. And I have a feeling I know what your bottom of the list is, and it's going to be interesting to oh no to discuss that. Oh no. so we'll, we'll we'll see. I I think I have an idea in my head already what it is. Let's see if you're right. Where do we'll, you rank this one? This is your five for you. Where's that for you? This is oh this, yeah yeah this is this is bottom, and yeah. I, I had it a five too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, let's move. Keep it moving. Let's go along to a movie called The Seventh Voyage of Simbad, which currently has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I enjoy it. I mean, but I mean, it's clearly only being reviewed by people who like these movies. Correct. I mean, if if you're if you're going to review this on the basis of of a gripping story you're you know it's it's he's messy okay that's a woman's what do you mean messy my shirt's on the floor did the house fall down did the children die did the day go on does he work does he have a job leave the shirt on the ground it ain't your shirt why are you stalking him around the house following him that's his clothes those are not your clothes look at this don't bother me look at that look at that don't bother me you can't take it you can't take that learn to do this This film was directed by Nathan H. Juran. It was written by Kenneth Kolb. It is based on Sinbad the Sailor from 1001 Nights. It was released December 23rd, 1958, just in time for Christmas. On a budget of $650,000, it made $3.2 million in U.S. and Canada alone. Mm. Sinbad must go on a quest to retrieve a magic lamp in order to save his true love and fulfill his destiny. This took 11 months to complete and for the full color widescreen stop motion. This is the first movie where he patents or comes up with the term dynamation, dynamic animation, which he would become synonymous with. Yes. Uh, 
you gotta love white folks playing Arabs. There's going a lot of that. Yeah, always, always. Yeah, I've never seen a Sinbad movie where Sinbad wasn't a white dude. Every time. Uh, Every time. Here's what I will say. The movie doesn't waste any time getting to the fantasy elements. Yes. I think originally I was like, okay, this is the first one in the as I'm watching these in chronological order, where okay, now we're in color. Now we're, you know, we're in 58, we're getting close to the 60s. It's starting to feel like a little bit more of a modern movie. The, the direction seems to be a little bit better. The score is bigger than the other two movies. It's got a big score. Is it Bernard it's Herman? Bernard Herman. And I was Yeah, getting, I, yeah. I mean, you can't get much better than him at that era. And I was getting ready to praise the score and I really liked it at the beginning, and by the end I found it to be so loud, so repetitive, <laughs> so obnoxious that actually I, it took points away from me. It went from something that was actually oh, wow. going okay. to elevate the movie because it's like, oh, okay, Bernard <laughs> Herman. Yeah, here we go to, I think this is a terrible score. And I think it's so inane to listen to as this entire movie is, I found this entire film to be grueling to get through because there is so much focus on Sinbad. And I don't find him cool. I don't find him this great swashbuckler. I don't find his journey interesting. I don't, there, it, it, it is just a bunch of people wandering around and you're just waiting until a giant monster appears. You're just waiting for a Cyclops or a, a right. this or but that. But the good thing is they do not, they don't skimp on that. They don't. And like you said, they, they don't. Yeah. And you, you get, you don't have to wait. This isn't like Jaws where you have to yeah. wait, you know, halfway to the movie to see the monster. You see that Cyclops in very early in the movie. And he's in a lot and, of it, too. He's in a lot yes, of the yes. movie. And, yeah. and, and honestly, and, and this is one of those movies I'm going to rate rank higher than yours, just based on the creatures. These are, there's, there's creatures in this movie that, in my mind, are iconic, the Cyclops being yes. one of them. And we can, we can get to the other ones later, but, uh, well, no, I'm, yeah, I'm going to kick, I'm, I'm kick it over to you because I thought this movie is terrible. Okay. So rather than, yeah, me just, yeah. Um, rather than me rag on it for 40 minutes, no, no, tell, no, it's tell okay. me, tell yeah. me why you love this movie. It's, it's, it, it, it's all about the, 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 the special effects. There's the story is just who cares. You've got the, <laughs> the evil magician, you know, you've got, you've got a princess, you've got an evil magician, a child genie. you've got, yeah, yeah, you've got a, a ch- yeah, the child genie. That was just really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, really weird. Really I, weird. I didn't get that at all. Yeah, especially because there's been plenty of of movies before. Maybe they wanted to differentiate themselves from Thief of Baghdad or something. Well, we don't want this, you know, what people think of a genie. So we're just maybe maybe the kid was like a producer's son or something. I don't it's know. Real weird. You know? Yeah, he, he's he's weird. It makes no sense. You could actually take the genie out of it all together. Yes. And have some other kind of MacGuffin that the magician needs. You know what yes. I mean? Because that's, that's what it all comes down to. He needs the lamp. He loses the lamp when he runs away from the Cyclops. And then it's basically his skullduggery to get them back to the island so he can get the lamp. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, that's it. It's really, that's all there is to it. I mean, and, and somehow everybody's so stupid, they can't see that he's he's the one causing the problems. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's why I find <laughs> you know, it so excruciating to get through. I, I found it hilarious that the shady magician who already was causing problems at the at the wedding by turning the the handmaiden into the the snake woman. Yes. Although that was just for show, I guess he turned her back. But uh, 
and, and that one's an interesting one. That's like the um, there's a lot of there's there's a few uh, creatures in here that in my mind are precursors mm. to ones used later. Mm. So the Snake Woman to me is his first draft of what would be Medusa mm. in Clash of the Titans, and then the skeleton fight at the end is yes. obviously his first draft of his most famous creation, which is the the big skeleton army fight in Jason and the Argonauts. Well, so, so if you if you know anything about stop motion, this is a very weird yeah. term that they use, but they they have there's a term called cannibalizing. Yeah. And what that means is like you exactly what you're saying, right? You create something in this case, but like the snake woman is the first draft of Medusa, like you said. Mm-hmm. So often what he would do is because what's underneath, whether it be clay or a mixture of whatever he's using in real fur or whatever it is that the different implements that he's using to create the creature. Mm-hmm. What he would often do is he would strip it down to its wire frame. Right. To the armature, the yeah, armatures. The yeah. yeah. Maybe tweak the armatures a little bit or improve them or do nothing at all. And then just re sculpt yeah. something over the skeleton basically. And so that's called yep. cannibalizing, right? You take parts and pieces from. Oh yeah. Creations. Yeah. So he did this frequently throughout his career. And so really you can really say what you're saying is not just like, a nice metaphor it's really true he it's basically as we go through the next three films in particular you see he's yeah. like it's reiterations and improvements and revampings on what he did the t- a time or two yeah before. i'm i'm sure as he got older and and he thought hey you know what i did this already but i think i can do it better yeah, that's it so let me let me change it a little i mean if you look at the the kraken from clash of the titans it looks almost just like a creature from there was a movie he did called 20 million miles to earth mm. and the, the, the alien monster called the Ymir. If you, if you just added an extra pair of arms to it and put a fishtail on it you, and made it bigger, it's, it's the crack. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, it looks very, they look very similar, but uh, yeah, you're right. And I think it's a lot of like, I'm sure he just, you know, looks back on his old work and says, Hey, you know what? That was okay. Maybe I can make, up and up my game a little the next yeah time. At, you know yeah, i, you I did one skeleton. He, there's, there's right i did one there's yeah. more detail in the miniatures there's yep. greater yep. fluidity he starts the he starts getting better and better with the scale of how it interacts yep. with you know the real objects in the frame or smaller objects so yeah you definitely you can see him kind of essentially the easiest way to, to summarize halfway through this episode ray harryhausen is he he didn't invent this style of of special effects stop motion right but he took it to about as far as you could until you get to like phil tippett yes and and then Agreed. phil tippett pretty much maxed out what was capable with stop motion as far as live right. action feature films right yeah, yeah. but and when you get into animated obviously yep. there's still plenty yes. to be done yep. you know you've got Leica, you've got Ardman, you've got all kinds of yep. other studios still doing this stuff and doing a great job with it too. But basically, Harryhausen yeah. passes the torch to Tippett. Tippett runs with it, and then from that point on, it, it we basically from 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 Clash of the Titans to uh, Jurassic Park. That's pretty much the end of the uh, stop motion era. Oh, you, of use of stop motion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was used, you know, sparingly. I mean, if you watch. Oh, in a lot of '80s movies, like watch Robocop. Yes. You can see there's yeah, that's Phil Tippett in that. Yeah, 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 there you go. And um, well, the the, the original Star Wars trilogy yep. uses, especially Empire Strikes Back, uses a lot yep. of stop motion. That's 100 um, percent it. Yeah. So what yeah. he's doing yeah, at this point in his career, now that he's the guy, <laughs> Dynamation is the thing, and he's created a name for it, and it's becoming kind of a marketing gimmick. 
And it's like, see the new Harryhausen wonder, right? It's how they're marketing these movies. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to Sinbad, we're at 1958. He's kind of in the prime of his career. Yes. And, and he's going to do, over the next couple of movies we talk about, the work that is basically his definitive work. When you think Harryhausen, like you said, you think the skeletons from this film and Jason the Argonauts, you think yep. the Kraken, you think Medusa. Yep. And yeah, it's it's all right here in this movie. And that's the best thing that I can say about it. So I'll kick it back to you. Yeah. This, is, this is strictly, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I cannot defend the story i can't defend the acting Oof. or the direction all of that it, to me is meaningless to me it's about the the monsters it's about the technical skill that went into making that dragon look cool that mm. making that cyclops look cool the rock looked okay i thought you know what i mean and that was uh um the snake woman i thought looked pretty good the skeleton looked Looked really good up until I don't know. There's the, the one part of this movie makes me laugh is when he defeats the uh, the skeleton. They, they cut to the clearly the prop guy just dropped a fake skeleton on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just you know, it's, it's not even the model. Yeah, it's just right. like okay, it's just hey you up there, get up throw on the ladder and throw the this, throw these bones, these plastic bones on the ground, and you know good enough, you right. know. Um, but uh, so when you were a kid, <laughs> when you were a kid, do you remember seeing this for the first time, or do you have a distinct yes, yeah, memory? But, take take me back to that moment. When okay, you, but I'll tell you this: there, okay, there's three Sinbad movies. Yeah. When I was a kid, the other two got played a lot more. I wonder if hmm. if you can believe that. Yes, the other ones there was after this there was um, Golden Voyage of Sinbad. That one was on all the time, and then there's another one called Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. That was like in the late '70s, also on all the time and and those i would i would say of of the three golden voyage is probably the best mm. but again they're all insipid stories it's always some kind of evil sorcerer it's some you know princess in peril it's you know we got to get we've got to collect this item got to go to this island we got to do this thing it's it's all the same thing they you know they you'll see more recognizable actors in those other mm -hmm. ones i think if i remember right, jane seymour i think was in eye of the tiger Oh, the the bad guy in um, Golden Voyage was Tom Baker. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Doctor Who um, as a kid, nope. but uh, he was he was the the fourth Doctor. He, I think he got the job based on on the, the Sinbad movie. Wow. I think. Well, yeah, yeah, which is weird because he was just an over the top, you know, evil yeah. sorcerer. You know, what I mean, no, playing basically might as well be the same guy from this movie. Just looks different. You know what I mean? So. So we're sword and sorcery, sword and sandal, sword and adventure movies of because that's what the rest of these are, right? Yes, yes. Were yes. they Marvel movies before Marvel movies? I don't know. I mean, I think of of you know, if if I think of like a more of a a cohesive like universe, you know, like what you get with MCU now, in my mind it, as a kid, it was more the Godzilla movies. Mm. You know what I mean? That was always when they all of a sudden he's a superhero. So now he's the good guy and he's fighting this monster. Now he's a good guy and he's fighting mm. this monster. That's that felt more like it than these, I guess. I mean, like but I take said, the cinematic these, universe piece away and ju just the oh, idea oh, of oh, sort yeah. of bland. Oh, of like a hero? Yeah, yeah I guess so. I mean, fantastical you know, things. And, right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically back then, 
you know, when when is this one in the? This is fifty eight. Fifty eight. Yeah. I mean, what would you have? You would have this kind of action movie, and you would have what westerns? westerns. I yeah. mean, yeah, I can't think of. I'm and I'm sure as far as what probably captured you know teenagers imaginations maybe westerns might have topped it i don't know you know certainly with adults i'm sure yeah probably more geared towards westerns yeah at this point uh, at this point you basically have as far as you know yeah a ton of b movies sci-fi horror alien invasion whatever you know set that aside that's kind of the last film as far as like mainstream box office you had big musicals yeah and you had westerns and many of them big westerns right big epic westerns oh sure and then you have this sort of stuff and i think because here here's here's the deal my dad grew up uh outside of uh oklahoma city and he would have been uh you know a a kid a movie going age kid when this film came out and oh sure he at that time this is the way he described it At at that time there was nothing in oklahoma city and it would get so hot. And a lot of people did not have air conditioning in their home. Yes, that was a big selling point to those theaters. They said air conditioning. That would That's be it. above everything yep. else. Air so when it was peak yep. summer, it was actually too hot to play outside as a kid. So what the parents yep. would do is they would send their kids on Saturdays to a sometimes double feature, sometimes even longer than that, because it would be yep. a double bill of movies. But they would also have, this is, they were still doing this. They would, they would run old, like Three Stooges or Abbott and Costello, like old cereals, basically. They would run old, or yeah, they would have been older even then, older Looney Tunes and different cartoons. And, and then there was obviously obviously being an intermission. And so you could spend basically the, your entire Saturday and him and my aunt, who was older than him. They'd go together, and it was just being nothing but kids. And yeah. the parents would just drop their kids off. It was like it wasn't free, but it was relatively cheap babysitting. You give your kid money yeah, for get them out of the house. Yep, get them out yep. of the house. You don't have to worry about them getting heat stroke, and you know where yeah. they're at, or, or getting into trouble. Yes. You know, you yep. know where they are. This, this is a giant romper room. This is a babysitter. That's exactly you know what it. I mean? And yeah. my dad yeah. sat through all of these movies and so many Westerns, <laughs> but he sat through all of these movies and you're a hundred percent right. The way that he basically, it's almost like Westerns and musicals. Th- this is, we're, we're kind of putting a hat on at the time. So I don't believe this way, but a lot of musicals were for ladies, right? They were a lot of romances or this, that whatever they were right. for women. And then you had a lot of big, westerns and those were for men you know the john wayne the peak american masculinity right and oh sure and then you had these movies which were kind of for i guess everybody but they were really the big market for them were kids and teens and so i think it's interesting that you know 10 15 years down the road maybe a little bit more here you are as a kid watching this on uhf or your local tv station and it was still still appealing to you so it was obviously yes. successful at what it was doing. And that's where I think the similarity between these types of sword and sandal sword and sorcery movies and Marvel is because so much of the appeal. And, of- and that's actually, that's a, that's a very good yeah. point because growing up, I grew up in the seventies in the early eighties. There was nothing like Marvel movies. There yeah. were no 
I mean, not until the first Superman movie did I ever see a superhero movie right. at all. So Sinbad you know I mean? is a superhero. Jason yeah, he's is your a superhero. superhero. That's right. Hercules like, is a superhero. Yeah. Right. Perseus yep. is a yep. superhero. Yes, and I, absolutely. And just in the same way that I think comic books, you know, obviously borrowed, and especially the Jack Kirby stuff, borrowed very heavily from Greek and Roman mythology. And they're basically, you know, just like the demigods and even the gods themselves who had all this fantastic power, but were had a lot of like mor- mortal foibles. They they lusted, they got drunk, they did all this sort of stuff, which yep. is different than a lot of the other, you know, the big three Abrahamic religions, their view of their deities. Um, uh, so, th- you know. Th- and these movies, by the way, these movies play real loose with mythology. Yes. You know I mean, like, <laughs> like this is, this is an Arabic myth and they've got a, the cyclops from greek That's mythology right. in here you know what I mean? it's, you know it's you know clash of the titans is a greek thing but it's got the kraken which is a, a you know a norse you right. know giant octopus. you know it's, it's they, they don't care you know they're, they're like here's a name we're gonna stick it to it here's a here's a fun looking creature we're gonna put it in there we, if it fits it fits it, as know? long as it sounds old and ancient and foreign Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I, th- I think that you yeah. can draw like a, a line between kind of that era. Again, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. I think you can draw a line between that era and, and the, there's obviously differences and yeah. uh, you know, there's obviously, yeah, there's a connected universe element and blah, 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 blah. That has, I think way more to do with vertical integration on a corporate level. That does with like a story level, even though it is borrowed from comic books a little bit. I think if you wanted big quote unquote action movies with fantastical heroes, on big quests with big, again, at that time, cutting edge special effects, mind blowing special effects. That's what these, that's the audience that these movies serve. And now as a grown man who did not grow up in the seventies and did not grow up in the (laughs) sixties and did not grow up in the fifties and was not watching these in the theater and having my mind blown. I wanted a little bit, I wanted to kind of give a shit about what was happening in the movie. And of all of them, (laughs) I gave a shit the least about what was going on here. And I, yeah, there, there's, so there's like I said, there's, there's really nothing going on here to to be excited about, and it's and it's the same story repeated in so many of these. Books. Oh my, yeah. You know well, I mean? you'll you'll, you'll <laughs> notice that in uh, my descriptions of the films moving forward. Yeah. So I'm gonna give this one a four out of ten, and it it is my worst of this binge. I I honestly I didn't care for this at all. I and and, and here's the thing. Okay. Yep. A lot could get, you can get buy with a lot if the star of the movie the main protagonist the main hero has charisma yeah this guy has none zero right so if if yeah. if, yeah. if if that's why when they do these other sinbad movies they they're interchangeable yep. it's, it's not the same guy who could nobody remembers if, nobody if cares. this guy had been this dashing charismatic figure with some funny or smarter quippy yeah. dialogue you know or you know if it had been a little snappier on a character level Again, I could kind of overlook because I don't, I'm repeating myself, but again, with Mighty Joe Young, yeah, I had the special effects and yes, they've aged, but also had characters. <laughs> yes. Yes. Agreed. And so I was like, oh, okay. And even Joe was a character. So I was like, oh, okay. I have something here, someone to care about. I, I care about this relationship between Jill and Joe. I care about how Joe is being treated. He's a sympathetic figure. He's a chart. I'll, I'll put it like this. Joe for Mighty Joe Young, which was a puppet, has a thousand times the charisma of any human being in the seventh <laughs> voyage. Of in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think he's um, a better protagonist than I, I Sinbad. Can, I, and like I, how bad I, I can how I can easily say that. How bland yeah. does your writing have to be that you can't make Sinbad interesting? 
By the way, here's something I didn't realize, obviously, when I saw this movie as a kid, and it wasn't until I rewatched it now and, and looked up the credits that the, uh, the the actress who played the the princess in this movie is Pink Crosby's wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. So can you imagine him, her taking him to the oh. premiere of this? <laughs> I'm sure he's like, what the hell is what? this? Yeah, she gets shrunk down and then on? slides yeah. into the genie's lamp. And then, yeah, so weird. <laughs> Yeah, so weird. So, Even the yeah the again, oh, terrible. Yeah, now now obviously my grading is higher yes. than yours, but just keep in mind I'm basing in this purely on aesthetics. I'm basing this on yeah. those monsters look cool to me then. Yeah. They look cool to me now. So I have this at number three in my list. So I had a rating of um oh what did I have it? Maybe like six point eight or something like okay. that. Okay, all right. So you're you're so, sc- and, yeah. but if if we had to. If you had to redo this and say talk about story and stuff like that, obviously Mighty Joe Young is going to leapfrog right over. Yeah, there. but I'm basing this strictly on the enjoyment I got it, I got as a child or even as an adult of just appreciating the aesthetics of the creature design yeah. and the special. No, I, so. I think that's completely fair. In an episode that's dedicated <laughs> to a special effects guy. Well, let's move on to Jason and the Argonauts, which currently has an eighty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, from the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents Jason and the Argonauts. The mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Turn back, Jason! We're trapped! Sailing to the ends of the earth, battling against an incredible number of obstacles. Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. In search of the fabulous magic golden fleece, Jason and the Argonauts, caught in the clutches of the towering bronze giant Talos, battered by treacherous falling rocks, taming vulturous harpies, facing the dreaded seven-headed Hydra, battling the merciless army of skeletons. Jason and the Argonauts, the classic story of Jason. A man who challenged the gods. Medea, a temple dancer who betrayed a kingdom for love. The Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Jason and the Argonauts, a classic adventure story. Brought to the screen through the incredible special effects magic of Dinorama. Jason and the Argonauts, the search that became a legend. So I'm guessing there was very few people that reviewed the Sinbad movie. That's right. I think that's right. Wow. Yep. Okay. That's that's wild. It was directed by John Chaffee or Chaffee. It was written by Apollinos Rodios. It's a screenplay by Beverly Cross and Jen Reed. It is based on. No, it's not. It's not. It's the Argonautica. No, it's not. Which was from third century BC. It's not. Uh, very loosely based. It is released June nineteenth. Uh, 1963 on a budget of three million dollars it only made 2.1 million dollars yeah that's that would be <laughs> that would be considered a disappointment yes i guess at that time yeah jason must go on a quest for the golden fleece to save his kingdom and fulfill his destiny okay this is the movie that i have an odd personal connection with because my dad saw this movie as a kid or young man at the very yep. least we should say a teenager yep. and he he fell in love with the name Jason from this movie. And I oh, this is my namesake. Okay. I was named oh, that's after I love Jason it. and the Argonauts. 
Oh my gosh, that's this is probably the best story ever. I love it. <laughs> so yes. So when I was a little kid, I was why did you name me Jason? And my dad was adamant with my mom. If it's a boy, we're gonna name him Jason. He was adamant. And yeah. uh my mom got, you know, overruled. She wanted to call me Justin, I think, or something else. Yeah. He's like, No, 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 Jason, 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 Jason. And it is he said it's because of this story. And then he was so you know, wrapped up in the movie of Jason the Argonauts, he eventually would go on to read the myths from the Argonautica sure. of Jason. Yeah. And so he actually read the actual stories of, of Jason. And obviously Jason yeah. is a transliteration of a Greek name. It also, it appears in the New Testament in the book of Acts because it is a Greek name. Uh, so uh, it's just replaced the J with an I and it's, there you go. Um, so it's an old name. I have a very old name, a very common name, but it comes from this movie. And hey, you know what? I got to say props to your dad for getting that through. When my kids were born, I, anytime I brought up any kind of geeky name for my son, <laughs> my wife was like, nope. <laughs> you, you know, I would bring up a name. She's like, what's that from? And I would say, and she's like, nope. <laughs> I think Jason is probably an easier sell than like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It, it is. It, it truly is. And, and What it, were some of the yeah. names? What were some of the names you remember from some of your um, geeky stuff? It's funny because I, I, I told this one on, um, I told this one on the last time I was on, on uh, Real Spoilers when we talked about Dune. Um, oh, boy. You, you saw Dune, oh, correct? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so the, the character uh, Duncan Idaho. Yes, I, I I threw out that name to, to to my wife. I was like, "Well, how about Duncan?" She was like, she thought it was like some kind of Scottish thing. She goes, "Okay, maybe." She goes, "What about middle name?" I said, "Idaho." Oh. <laughs> She's like, she was like, "What the hell is that?" You should have gone with Duncan like, McLeod from, from the Clan McLeod. Yeah, yeah. She goes, she goes, I was like, you know, from Dune. She goes, "No, no, no, we're not doing that." And here's the best was, you know, we 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 finally settled on a name and. um after he was born, she called um, the local newspaper to put in the, the birth announcement. The woman, the, the woman said, "Well, what's what's your son's name?" She said, "Xander." And, and he, she goes, "Oh, that's a, such a unique name." She goes, "My daughter has a real unique name. Her, um, we, we named her Alia after the character in Dune." And I was just like, <laughs> "You see, people doing it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah. But I think that's I think that's awesome. I, I like this. I really you- like that your dad had this kind of connection with the movie and and um i i, I like that i like that story a lot. i don't want to correct how you named your kids but i'm gonna do right here on this podcast here's how you should have played it with your wife okay <laughs> you sit down with her and you're like this and hey i have a, i have a name it's it's works male or female um it really means a lot to me i just want you to hear me out i want you to hear me out honey it means a lot to me i want to name our child idaho and she would have looked at you like you were absolutely insane. Oh, you start with the worst part. That's and then right. You, then, and then, yes, then I love it. Then I like you hold, that. You, I know, like you hold out for weeks, weeks. You're like, no, Idaho. Honey, <laughs> please. It has to be Idaho. And then you come to her and like you're very pensive and you go, well, baby, I was thinking. And you're probably right. Idaho's not a good one, but. That name still means a lot to me. So could we just go with Duncan? And Duncan is going to sound so reasonable in comparison to Idaho. She would have had. I, I love this train of thought. Come this on. Is, is you got to manipulate yeah. your lady, man. Yeah. yeah. We, we got the, it's funny because the second, second turnaround, around, we did get a, 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 a character namesake in there. We, we read, um, to our oldest son, we, when he was younger, we read, um, where the wild things yeah, are a lot. Yeah. So, we settled on on Max for for the, the 
our second son. So, so there, at least there was some kind of like connection. Any more kids in your future? No, 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 it's, it's, it's done, done, huh? That, 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 yeah, that, that, the, 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 the tubes have been snipped. It's, it's over. I couldn't, it is, I it's couldn't over. convince you to adopt a child and name it Slimer. <laughs> yes, Slimer. <laughs> Listen, we're now in 2022. The world is a very, very weird place. Names don't mean anything. Time doesn't mean anything. Society's breaking down all around us. Let's just start naming our kids. Look, people name their dogs human names. People got, you know, uh, you know, a French bulldog named Kevin. Or a French bull, French bulldog <laughs> name like uh, you know Michael or something. Let's name our kids after the things that we love. I think you should adopt a child from anywhere in the world. Let's just say Africa, and you can name it Slimer. <laughs> would you do that for me? <laughs> if I could get away with it, I think I would. I, I am a big Ghostbusters fan, so why not? I, I, that's what I want from you. I want. I just. I want a video of yeah. you presenting this to your wife and say, "Hey, I met this guy yeah. on the podcast. I only talked to him for an hour, yeah. but he wants us to adopt a child named." He, he made me. He made a, a very convincing <laughs> argument that you have a child named Slimer. That's right. He made a very the people I, will always remember the I name. I know it sounds crazy, honey, but if you had heard what how he presented it, it just made so much sense. Yeah, it's so unique. There's not going to be any other slimers in my class. I guarantee no you. No other slimers. That's right. That's right. And you can call him Onion Head, you know, as his nickname. Um, <laughs> I Okay, here's what I'll say about this. My name aside, mm-hmm. ancient Greece, I think, seems more in, like, it seems more accessible and i think it's because that is the foundation of western civilization <laughs> right so there's something about ancient greece and ancient rome and kind of this era and i've, I've you know i had a history minor for a while and i actually had a double major in history at one point and then decided i wanted to graduate i didn't want to take any more classes so i i but right. um i need a few more credits to get the degree and i was like nope i'm just going to graduate with my primary degree so I always found in all of history, all that, that part of human civilization was the most interesting because from the philosophers and, you know, Platonism and Aristotle and, and Aristotelian rhetoric and, you know, the, the burgeoning ideas of a Republic and even a little bit of democracy and so forth and so on. It's all there. It's everything you can paint from, 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 you know, the era of Hellenization to the Roman empire, to the British empire, to, you know, basically the foundation of this country. Once we got to like Britain, I didn't care anymore, but the lead up into ancient Greece and their, their empire. And then the Roman empire, I always found that to be so such an interesting part of history. And it's so easy to, it's easier for me at the very least to relate to that world and those characters. And so I, I much preferred the setting of this film and some, the, the next two films, this one, the next one, on the list, mm-hmm. I, I, I just wish, I wish I cared a little bit more about Jason. Oh, cause I feel <laughs> like we're, we're now we're cooking with gas. Okay. This is, yeah. this is a sort of film that is the precursor to a great many modern movies. It this feels yeah. like, even though it's 63, a big budget, modern movie. Absolutely. And there's a lot of big set pieces. Yep, there's, yep. There's a, yeah, there's a lot to do in here, you know. Yeah, 
but yeah, there, there's iconic stuff in the here. The, the skeleton fight is what I was thinking of. Yes. And yeah, absolutely. that honestly still looks pretty darn good. And it is a hundred percent the direct inspiration for the Terminator, as far as their skeletons. And I mean, from yep. the original film and we you know what they look like underneath the, 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 uh, organic material comes right from this yes. movie. And yep. this movie has been so influential for the likes of James Cameron and so many other young directors, uh, who saw this and, uh, young directors are now all elderly, but at the time they were young people and they saw this movie and it's been spun off and iterated and so many of the stuff. It's, this is just a source code for a lot of things that we have, we lived with throughout the eighties and to today. I appreciate it on that level so much. And of all the movies, I, I found it to be one of the more engaging ones. I just wish I kind of cared a little bit more about Jason. Although I will say of the protagonist of the last three that we're talking about, I think he's the best one. And it's not just because we yeah. share a name. Yeah. He actually seems kind of <laughs> like a person. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what, what I like about this movie too is, is, you know, it's not just heroes being heroic. You know, you've got people making, look, look yes. at Hercules in this movie. He makes, he makes a big mistake and then he has to, have penance for it. You know Does I mean? that not so seem okay? Is this my modern brain? Because I have a note here. Explain to me because you were there close to the time that this came out, closer than I was for sure. Mm-hmm. Right when Hercules is introduced, and it's, and it's like, oh, this is Hercules, and he's just kind of a background player, right? And but right. it's Hercules, and then he fucks up. He messes up royally. Yep, and gets up. Somebody's killed because of his actions. Yes. And then as penance, yeah, he goes off on his own. And then Hera's like, oh, well, you know, uh, the fates have decided that Hercules, his journey goes a different path, right? Right. Now, yeah, we're going to put him on the 12 labors path or whatever it Does, is. But. Okay. Is that not, did that not feel like a setup for a Hercules movie? Or is that my modern franchise brain being like, well, that's obviously. Um, Her- you Hercules know, I, I never really thought of it that way, but that that is a good point. You know, had. I that obviously that actor I don't know who he was, yeah. um, big guy you know yeah. looks looks like a good Hercules he's not you know like like day and age now with the you know someone like Hercules they've got him super cut this guy was just a big guy you know so he's not Lou Ferrigno uh, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger he's not Lou Ferrigno right he's not, <laughs> he's not the Rock he's not right yeah he's not the Rock but yeah. he's believable he's believable as the strongest guy on the boat. Well, okay, so that raises an interesting point. So this movie is fantastical. It certainly is. But at the same time, it almost feels a little, this is going to sound silly, but almost feels a little grounded. Because Yes, yeah, because Hercules in here never does, to my knowledge, he never shows any super strength or anything. And in fact, I'm not even quite sure they even, did they even mention that he has any kind of connection to the gods? I know they don't. Yeah. Not that yeah. I remember. So, Not that I, mean, I remember. He's, he's more like, he seems like more like he's a, a folk hero. Or, yes, you know, that's exactly right. You know, he, he's famous and he, he's he's going on a cruise and he's a great fighter and, and you know, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But it's interesting for, for technically he's the most, of all the mythological characters in here, he's probably the most famous and he, he's out halfway through the movie. You know yeah, I, mean? I think it's an interesting choice. Yeah. He's a bit, he's a, he's a, he's a secondary character. And yeah. then he's. <laughs> He messes up big. He's out of the movie. Like you said, it's obviously an allusion to his story, right? Okay, he's got to go yeah. off and do his own thing. 
And so at yep. the very least, maybe your more educated audience would get what that reference was. But it's just my modern franchise brain was like, oh, my God, it's like a, this is like a backdoor <laughs> pilot for a Hercules movie. Yeah. Like you could, you could come you know, back. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. You know, if they, if they thought that actor could carry a whole movie, I don't know. who, who could. Well, say, back in this but, era, uh, you could just recast it and said. You well, know, yeah. Well, but yeah, that, that's. It didn't point. matter. They, also, <laughs> also look at the people they, they had playing Sinbad. I mean, yes. does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, so, but as a kid, when you saw this, you didn't read that as, oh, we're going to get a Hercules movie. You just were like, oh. no, 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 uh, no. And, um, and, and when I was a kid at the, at the time when I watched this, Hercules movies were really bad. You know what I mean? Oh, the, yeah. The, you, you, yeah. You, you, if, if you saw a Hercules movie, it was, it was not good. So this, at, so at the point when I watched this was, would have been late seventies. It was probably the best Hercules movie I've seen. <laughs> You know I mean? <laughs> Jason the Argonauts is the best Hercules movie. Jason the Argonauts is the best Hercules movie. That it seen. might still be the best so, Hercules movie. <laughs> it, might, it might be, yeah. You know, I, when um, I was watching this, you know what, I, what occurred to me, Matt? Is I was like, <laughs> we tend to think of film as being eternal because it existed yeah. long before any of us were born, right? It's, yeah. you know, even as we jokingly say you're an old man, you're not really old. And I'm old. Um, but it, you know, film it existed before you were here for sure. And, Absolutely. um, you know, the oldest recorded feature film or feature length film was from 1878. That's crazy. Uh, when you think about actually, that. no, the first film was 1878. The first feature length film was 1906. I got that backwards. Was that great crane robbery? Is that the, uh, I don't it was, even know. It was the, about. the story of the Kelly gang, which was actually an Australian movie. Oh, that's okay. the, they've discovered that's the first feature length film. The first one was obviously oh, wow. the the horse in motion, which they're referencing. Oh, right. In nope. Right. Uh, yes. The Jordan yes. Pell film. Oh, that in the trailer. So yes. this movie comes out 58 years later from that point in time. And you see the advancement in 58 years. It's been made in special effects. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, what is the difference between this film, which is coming out in the early sixties, and so many of the great classic movies of, of when we really think about big spectacle, special effects, classic movies, we think Jaw, Star Wars, the blockbuster era going through the 80s yes. and kind of pe- peaking yep. in the 90s, more or less. And yep. the difference is pacing. I think what they figured out is these movies, these Harryhausen films, especially the, the last three, especially Jason the Argonauts, it's almost like a template for what movies would be in the eighties. What they figured out was they figured out how to, they nailed the pacing because so many, these movies run at a slower pace. Okay. Everything is a little bit more played out. It's not as bad as the fifties B movies that, you know, but there, there's just, there's some pacing issues. It takes a while and they're, and and they're not using that time necessarily to give us, deep thoughtful reflective characters either it's just there's just like right. a lot of dialogue scenes a lot of the dialogue just feels very perfunctory and i think what high concept movies from the 80s i think basically the next generation were inspired the dantes the camerons so forth the spielbergs they were inspired by the lost worlds the king kongs the mighty joe youngs the jason the argonauts but they they figured out how to pace their stories and build their characters better. So you ended up kind of getting the best of all worlds. You get 
Yeah, grand, yeah. Well, they yeah. they they take they take what they like the best about it, it, and they fix what they saw. They they fix what they perceived as the mistake, which, like you said, pacing, yeah. and also acting. You know what I mean? You you get better class of actors. Yes. You get that's uh, it. You punch up the you punch up the the dialogue a little bit more. Yep. You know, because um, here's what I'll I, say: all of these movies, they're all entertaining for about an hour <laughs> to me. Like, <laughs> well, luckily, most of them aren't much longer than that. Yeah, you know I mean, most of these are yes, are at most like an hour and a half. But once so. we get past that hour mark, I'm like, let's bring it home, boys. And the, and that last <laughs> half hour feel feels like an additional hour to me. <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, this movie has run out. Of, like this movie in particular, it felt like it ran. It was like I was on board. I'm entertained. I like it. It's good. It's it's. I'm here for it. it it's it's. Definitely better than Sinbad. This is a this is a better movie all the way around. And then it just kept going and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going. <laughs> Long past the point that I think it had any reason to. So for that reason, it's only going to come in as my number two. I give it a seven out of ten. It was on pace to be my best of this binge, but it, it just it it it, it ran out of steam. In my opinion, I just I lost interest. Now, when was the last time you had seen it? I'm assuming that your dad probably had you watch it when you were a kid. That's correct. Saying, yes. It's saying how important that movie was to yes. him. So it has had it been a long gap it, since you? I've seen probably it? only seen it all the way through once as a kid, and then this time. Then I saw it's you know plays on TV, so I've seen bits and pieces. Oh, sure. On uh, yeah. uh, Turner Classic Movies, and even oh, back right. in the day yeah. before AMC was. Yeah, when, yeah, when they were American movie That's classics, right. yeah, they, they were basically yeah. a knockoff Turner Classic movies, and yeah, they were just Turner Classic movies with, I believe, they put commercials in. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, so they played a lot on there, I remember, and so I watched, um, I watched mm-hmm. it in bits and pieces on there, but I, I probably haven't seen it in probably twenty five years, at least. Oh at wow! Least. Okay, wow. So I, I, this, this to me is a, I, I, I own it on DVD. I couldn't tell you the last time I put the dvd in but in any time it pops up on on turner i watch it mm. every time it, this is one this was this was one of my absolute 100 percent favorite movies as a kid if this came on this my this had my full attention at any given time so it's it's one of those i think sometimes when people list your favorite movies all times it's not necessarily the best movies but ones yeah. that were I guess important to you at points in your life. Mm-hmm. So this one always makes a list of of those type of movies for me. Wow! Just because how much I enjoyed this one. So your score is and your rank is. Oh, my rank of this is number one yeah. easily. Okay. Um, my score and I had I had it as a nine, and that's just based on just how much this movie is. It, not too far off from your dad. Obviously, I'm not as old as your dad, but I didn't see this in the theater. But this movie always meant something to me. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, of all the Harryhausen movies, this one is the the pinnacle. It's so interesting too because it's just a so much of this is a matter of when we come to this stuff. Yep. You know, you saw this probably round about the same time or just before Star Wars came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in, yeah. when you compare this to Star Wars, obviously special effects wise, Star Wars kind of the the a New Hope, but I always just call it Star Wars. Yeah, kind of blows this out of the water in some regards, but in other regards, you can again draw that straight line and be like, "Oh, well, this is, 
you know, we got to Star Wars because of Jason the Argonauts, right? Like, <laughs> what, what's, what's the term? Jason the Argonauts walks so Star Wars that's can it, run. Right? That's a yeah. perfect way to put it. So th- those yeah. things are more smashed together in your experience. Yes. Uh, you're yes. consuming yeah. them at similar times and they don't seem as yes. remote and whatever, whatever. I'm on the other. And it's not, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying also at that time, you weren't flooded with content. You know what I mean? That's a great point. Nowadays, you know what I mean? Nowadays, there's a huge spectacle movie, you know, every five minutes. That's a great point. And and they're all available at all the times. At this point, you know what I mean? You were at the mercy of what you saw either in the theater or what happened to be shown on TV in the afternoons or at night or whenever these things popped up. So they just seemed a little bit more special then. Whereas now it would just get lost in the, in, in the sea of everything else. Well, so. that's a, that's a really great point because you, know, like you said, you are at the mercy of, Hey, it's Saturday night in February. It's, mm-hmm. f- I don't know where you grew up, but let's say it's freezing cold. Yeah. 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 You grew up in the Midwest. Yeah, it's yeah, dark just, at just 5 PM yeah. or 4 PM. Yep. And I've played in the snow and I'm, you know, whatever. And now I'm, I'm warming up and I'm going to go to bed soon. And it's like, what's on TV. And it's, it's the, a, a lot of very, for kids, especially like boring stuff. And then you yeah. have on one channel of the four or three that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Jason and the Argonauts. And that would, that would be yeah. a treat. That would be a delight. Absolutely. That's exactly the, you hit it right on the head. That's exactly the way I always saw it. For you know me, I mean? and like I said, I grew I always liked all these movies. This one just was for some reason I put higher yeah, than the other. That makes sense. For me, I grew up in the VHS era and the home video right. era. So I was still at the mercy of what was shown, but I didn't have four channels or three channels. I had I was a kid, maybe like 25, 50. Yeah. You know? And you had movie channels then too. You had That's HBO. It. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. And so, and with my yep. dad being a movie freak, we always had, it would change, you know, depending upon economic circumstances. And then he, get, he right. would just get bored eventually too. Like, oh, I've seen everything HBO has. We'll get rid of that. Then he'd get Cinemax or then he'd get Showtime or then he'd get, you know, uh, the movie. That, the that movie was in our household too. We would have HBO for a very short yeah. time. And, and this is when, you know, late eighties, when you first had a VCR, you made sure you recorded everything that came on. And when you got rid of HBO, you rewatched those videotapes over and over. And well, that's over. what I was about to say. Yeah. I have a VHS uh, tape thing here behind me. That's actually my dad's yeah. from back in the day. And one yeah. of the things I found when I was digging through some of his stuff was I found, we didn't have very many left, but I found three or four tapes. And that's exactly what they are. Is he, that's what I was, how we had movies primarily is, yeah. We would take them either off of broadcast TV or we, yeah, we get HBO for a short time. And my dad was one of those guys that he would just, he'd tape everything. And for a while, yeah. what he would do is he would set the recorder at night. So we didn't even know what we were going to get. And sometimes we didn't even get the complete movie because the tape would run out. Well, he would just run it. He didn't even know he what didn't was even on. Know what he was just- on. Oh, hey, that's actually kind of a fun surprise. Yeah, and then he would just run it unless we had a TV guy laying around, but he would just, hey, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to set it to record. You know, he'd set it on whatever LP or XLP or whatever they called it. And then would the extended play. And then he'd set it for, they could record, I think, for like eight hours or something. So he'd he'd get three to four movies. And then he's like, okay, we've got, you know, what's that movie? Electric Glide and Blue or something like that. And 
Ghostbusters 2. And so we just have these tapes with just <laughs> random yeah. movies. Like, okay, we've got Cocoon, The Return, and <laughs> High Plains Drifter, and, uh, you know, Part of the Godfather. And that was the tape. Right, right. Yeah, because that was yeah. so long you couldn't get it off the tape. <laughs> I yeah. swear. that was, And yeah. so that's how I learned to watch movies, hence this show. But that's how I learned to watch movies because when I was a kid and there was nothing to do, uh, it's like, okay, let me just put in a tape. I just sit there and watch whatever the heck that tape was. And yep. I, you know, uh, there was the first time I got a VCR. We, you know, I'm sure I don't know if you remember this, but in the late eighties, buying a movie was very, expensive. very expensive. You know I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was outrageous. Yes. So you, so what, either you just had the movies you recorded off TV or, um, we had a handful of tapes that we bought from a video rental place that went out of business. So, you know, I think I remember I had Ghostbusters, Return of the Jedi, a couple other movies, and I must have watched those all the time. I mean, I could even put a number on how many times I've watched Ghostbusters yeah. just because it was one of the very few tapes we had. So we were like, oh, and it's good to watch anytime anyway. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so what's interesting now is, you know, you and I, slightly different eras, but we've yeah. lived for this transition period together now, like the streaming era. And we say, well, you have access to every movie. You don't really. But that's a separate issue. But you have access right. to qu quite an abundance. So not only are all these brand new, like you said, every five minutes are getting a brand new spectacle movie to the point where there really aren't spectacle. It doesn't really feel like a spectacle anymore. It's just what movies are now. It's so ordinary. Yes. You know, yeah. In, the, in 1996, we were blown away that they blew up the White House. Oh, my God. Everyone <laughs> has to go and see Independence Day because we've never seen. Remember how hard it was to get into the theater yes. that weekend? Yes. That was insane. For like two I, shots. You mm -hmm. know, you, it was, they marketed around like two shots. Yeah. And it was primarily around that White House blowing up. That was the whole marketing campaign. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. That, now that's nothing. That is so yeah. that's nothing, right? It's just what is that yep. like? They do that on Netflix shows now. Like it's it's just it's no big yeah. deal. Yeah. And so now it's just it's funny because now not only do I have every new spectacle coming out every five minutes, I've got the entire history of spectacle in my pocket. <laughs> and right. so then to carve out time and be like, so what is where does Jason and the Argonauts factor into that? You're right. It, it probably wouldn't even come up in the conversation unless you were a specific person who was at a certain age or a certain time when this was as fantastical and as giant as it got and yeah absolutely you, you have and my it, dad was one of those people and you were probably yeah, the tail end absolutely. of that it, more than likely yeah. yes and also i'm on the tail end of the type of person that still likes stumbling across a movie on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and this not me is, anymore. <laughs> this is something I talked about with, with yeah. This is something that uh, I talked about with Kevin. Um, he said he didn't understand that. He goes, "Well, why would you want to do that? You know, you have everything access." <laughs> I was right. like, "I don't know. I just like I just like surfing through channels and finding a movie I like, and then sitting down and watching it. I mean, it seems it's old fashioned. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What's so weird though, is but, I used to be yeah. that sort of person. Cause that's what you had to be. Yeah. If you liked TV, if you yeah. liked movies, you were a channel surfer. And I was yeah. a hardcore channel surfer, man. Even, even at the point when I like, not that long ago, when I first got married, I was that guy. I was a channel surfer and it would drive my now ex-wife insane. <laughs> that did not contribute to the yeah. divorce. But the, <laughs> it drove her insane. She was like, could you just pick something? I'd be like, nah, you know, because it's like, what else is on? What else is on? What else is on? And now I've gone so long without any cable like that. 
It's like I my I'm not a channel surfer anymore. Now what I am is I go on like uh, uh, the my Fire Stick or the 50 million streaming services I have, right, and I just scroll. Right. Now I'm a, it's not channel surfer. Now I'm like a title scrolling, yeah. yeah, constantly yeah. scrolling for and you know, and what's 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 weird about it now though is like to your point. When a little bit of the choice is taken away from you, okay, you can choose to channel surf, but you don't get to yep. choose what's on those channels. You will discover, and it's same thing was like in the old video store era or recording random movies off of HBO. You would discover stuff because you didn't have endless options. You're just like, well, I guess I'll watch this. And then so many times I'd be like, I don't know what this is. I guess I'll watch it. And I'd throw it on and be like, this is fantastic or, or at least yeah. it's very good. Or at least like, I know it's not good, but I like it. Like, you know, or it was, and those are fun because that, that feels like you discovered something yes. where you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have seeked it out. Otherwise That's you it. wouldn't have on, you wouldn't have gone out of your way to scroll through Netflix or, yep. or Amazon or whatever and find it and watch it. But if you found it by accident or just like, I have this on as background noise and you end up getting sucked into it. That's always a fun experience. I don't really have it anymore as much. And also on top of that, because we feel like we have endless access, it does feel like a little bit of like, eh, if it doesn't really get me in the first 15 minutes, I just, I can turn it off and I can go find something else. Right. And whereas, oh man, that's my, that's my kids to a T. If it doesn't grab them usually, they're, they moved on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not as bad as that, but I'm starting to kind of yeah. get there. The longer this streaming era goes on, I'm starting to be like, ah, whatever, 20 minutes, whatever, it's no good. Turn it off, find something else. And it's like, we, you couldn't do that. And so many times, you know, a movie that had, it just didn't really work for it's. It's almost like the way music used to work. I don't know. We're, this is a total mm-hmm. tangent, but you'd buy an album and because you heard the single on the radio right and then and then the rest of the album doesn't live up to yes it. yeah but then you keep because it's the only it's a brand new album and you just spent 30 dollars or 20 bucks on it or 25 bucks or whatever right. you just kept listening to it and listening to it and eventually sometimes a song that was on the radio would end up being your least favorite and you end up liking kind of the deeper cuts or, and then, or you'd yes. end up loving the whole right. album and you'd be like oh wow this whole thing's yeah. great but it didn't catch you the first couple of times and movies yeah. used to be like that. I was like, well, because you only had so many tapes or so many options. Well, I watched this; it didn't really work for me. I had nothing else to do. I'll just, I'll just watch it again. And, you know, and then maybe the second or third time, you'd be it would click with you, and you'd be like, that movie's great. Now you have no reason to repeat watch anything if you don't want to. And I find myself revisiting newer movies less and less. I watch them once maybe twice and i never watch them again and that's that's a different experience than we had in the past i would say that i have that more with um tv shows mm. which is kind of hard to call them tv shows anymore because they stream you know say it's a show i really like i'll watch it all the way through once that's it i don't need to go back and see it again you know what yeah. I mean? the latest say the latest marvel show on disney plus hey that was great I'm never going to watch it again. I'm never going to go back and watch it again. <laughs> that that's, you know that was I mean? so unheard of, right? Like, right. Yeah. 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 Before I would have rewatched it and rewatched it. No. Because no, it was so, so weird about that is now, in a sense, as long as we pay the subscriptions and the licenses are maintained, but especially like a Disney Plus property, that's going to be on there I, essentially, right, in our mind, forever, right? As long as that yeah. service exists. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, because of that, that actually takes away from your impulse to, to find it because otherwise, yeah, you know, it's always there. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know, it's always there. Otherwise 
it was like I think about how, how many times like some of the Simpsons episodes are like ingrained in my brain, not just because I watched them when they originally aired, which I did, but because I would go f- eventually, sometimes years later, when they made their way to syndication, I'd watch two or three of them in you know in the, in an afternoon block every single day, yeah. and yeah, me too, yeah, same here. And I, there's syndication doesn't really work that way anymore. And I don't have cable anymore and I don't, I just don't consume things like that. So nothing really attaches itself to me. The Nothing becomes ingrained in me the way that it did. Part, some of that's age, but some of that's also repetition. And so I can totally yeah. see, well, this is a long way of getting around to it, but I could totally see, <laughs> man, if you're watching Jason Argonauts, one, it's going to stand out heads and tails over everything else that's on TV. Yeah. Two, it could grab the imagination of a young person at your age. Three, it's not that much different from, it's it, you know, it's not that far afield from Star Wars, you know, by comparison. Um, right, it's a hero's journey, yeah. just like anything else. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And if it's played on TV all the time, you probably saw it, pieces of it, at the very least, repeatedly. So those things yeah. become ingrained in you in a way that other stuff doesn't. I'm coming at it from a guy who's like, eh, I've seen a couple of these once 25 years ago. So it's just a different experience. So they're, they're not a part of the fabric of my film fandom as they are yours. Absolutely. I could, I could totally see yeah. that. And again, this seems foreign to someone older, but <laughs> or younger, I mean, um, when you had to stumble across it on TV, you really paid attention to it because this is it. You're going to see it now and you don't know when they're going to replay this That's again. So now's the point. Same with, you know, you could say that about any kind of specials they showed. If they showed Charlie Brown Christmas, you, you knew if you didn't watch it that night, you weren't going to see it again for a whole nother year. Whereas now it's at your fingertips. You can watch these things. Anytime. So you were also you know? with less distractions around you and also focusing more because that might be the only time in you that, you yes. know, in your life, yes. you might yeah. see it. Yeah. By by focusing that much more, it probably became a deeper part of you. Even after the first time you watched it, you were just absorbing it on a deeper level. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you find yourself yeah. with new stuff absorbing it as deeply as you would have Jason and the Argonauts? No, no, because no, because there's just so much of it. It's it's just an onslaught now. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to to, to do once in a while. Once in a while, something really stands out. But you know what's really weird? Sometimes I'll see a movie that I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And then I don't have any interest in seeing it again. Right. Does that make any right. sense? That's what I'm you know what I mean? This happens all the time. Yeah. This happens all the time. I'm like, I'll tell, I'll tell somebody, that was the greatest movie I saw last year. And then I'll be flipping channels beyond. I'm like, eh, I can't watch this. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly yeah. it that is i i'm I, yeah, I know i told everybody this was the greatest movie ever but i can't be watching i can't, I can't be, be bothered to watch it because there's 50 billion yeah. other things i gotta get to yeah. i gotta finish yeah. that show i gotta do this i gotta do that i got this thing on my phone i'm on twitter yeah and it's just <laughs> like what do you think that says about- but i'll rewatch the same simpsons or seinfeld episodes over and over but those yeah, i mean those so, are ingrained know. in us though because they come from a different <laughs> era yeah, so those are almost like vestigial limbs from a previous. It, it's like our viewing habits have evolved, and we have these vestigial habits that hold on from the past. Uh, but 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 I can't even completely say that I, because you know uh, during the pandemic, everybody made a big deal of, and even before it, everybody made a big deal of uh, 
the fact that so many people um, were rewatching Friends. And one right. of the big deals that was made about it was like Gen Zers and Zoomers who weren't even born or were just being born when the show was ending and going off the air were like obsessed with the show. Yeah, my kids were that way. They 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 watched Friends all the time. Well, for one, it's always on. You know what I mean? If if there's one show that you can guarantee is on any given time of day, it's Friends. <laughs> so yeah, you know I mean? so that's you can like, flip on TV, it's going to be playing. That's the, so what I'm. That's I guess in the office too. My kids are always yeah, getting into the, the Friends office. in the Same. office, right? Yeah. So those are like yeah. the last two old like of the old school way that we consume media, and it's it's yes. somehow for whatever reason it's hooked younger generations but the, but we've we've all of us have just gotten past that point we just don't consume things in that way so that's correct yeah. This is so correct. yeah um yeah so w- remind me again wh- what was the score you gave jason argonauts and where did it rank for you oh it, it was number one on my that's list I and i gave it a nine yeah that's right that's which right. is i know you, i know you're gonna say it sounds really high that sounds like what you would give like the godfather <laughs> or you know something like that but it just was a very important movie for me growing up yeah it makes sense to me makes sense to me yeah all right well our last film in this conversation about ray harryhausen is clash of the titans which came out in 1981 and has a 65 percent on rotten tomatoes the danger the daring the challenge the courage clash of the titans the risks the rewards the terror the triumph of the titans the odyssey of the warrior perseus through wonders no man has seen and horrors no man has faced mgm presents clash of the titans rated pg starts friday at the century 25 man's birdcage walk sacramento drive in stockton royal it was directed by desmond davis it was written by beverly cross it is the triumphant return of sir, sir lawrence olivier last seen in spartacus it's the triumphant return of maggie smith last seen in harry potter and the deathly hollows part two <laughs> it's a triumphant return of Burgess Meredith, last seen in Rocky Five. This film was released June 12, 1981, on a budget of between $9 million and $15 million, made $70 million worldwide. This thing was a giant hit. You know what's really interesting? I looked up on, just to see how much it made, yeah. I went on Box Office Mojo. It's not listed on the list of top movies of, was it 81? It's just not, it's not on the list at all. I think somebody made an error and just forgot to put it in there because it would be in at that what the amount you just said it would be it would be in the top ten. It, it would it, it would have to have because this this was a big movie. Yeah, it would it would, be, it would be this would be like the fifth or at maybe most fourth highest grossing movie. Well, you, that you year. were around in eighty one, was wasn't this a big hit? I I went I saw this is of all Harry Housen movies. This is the only one I saw in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, you're, this was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they, and, yeah. and, there's there's discrepancies. Well, granted, I mean, yeah, and, and I think of the other big movies that year, I think the biggest one, my mind, was Raiders Lost. It had to be. I mean, yeah. everybody was talking about that. Yeah. Everybody. And uh, Superman 2, I think, was the other big one, that, at least for kids my that makes age. Sense. You yeah. know, you know, but uh, yeah, Clash of Titans was way up there. Um, you know they had toys that went for with it. It was it was a fun movie. Um, like I said, you know it's, I, it's one you know today a kid today watching today would probably turn their nose up at it. <laughs> I enjoy it. You know it's it's not great, but I still like it. Um, I don't know. 
I'm, cu- I'm curious to hear what you, your thought on Well, my synopsis of the film is the son of Zeus must go on a quest to save his true love and fulfill his destiny. All of these <laughs> movies have the exact same plot. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, first off, first and foremost, Bebo is R2-D2. <laughs> yeah, that, that, exactly. At that time, they said, hey, we need to have R2-D2. It's super popular. We need an R2-D2. Hey, this is ancient Greece. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. <laughs> get, 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 get a bleeping, blooping <laughs> robot in there. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> you know, what, it doesn't what matter. That in get a bleeping, yeah. blooping robot in this bleeping, blooping <laughs> movie. And they did. Yeah. And they called it Bebo. Yeah. And he is R2-D2. I will yeah. say this. Vita Taylor is... A mortal worth leaving Mount Olympus for. That is uh, his Perseus's mom. And I, if I were Zeus, I wouldn't blame him at all. I'm leaving Mount Olympus. I'm falling in love with her. I'm, I'm making sweet, sweet intercourse with her. And I'm producing a bastard son of a god. Uh, Lawrence Olivier, I, the, the reviews at the time were like, Lawrence Olivier is terrible in this movie. Even he cannot elevate the film because this movie did not get good reviews. Um, I, on the other hand, having sat through what felt like 50 different iterations of this exact same story, felt that Laurence Olivier, yes, he's hamming it up. Yes, he's chewing the scenery. But this is a junk movie. I think he knows it's a junk movie. I think he brings some level of gravitas He's speaking as if he were Zeus, as if he were a god, and I and to me his performance worked. And yeah, he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's phoning it in. No, you know what I mean, no, you know, I, I know, you know, hey, you know, you got to wear this toga. We're gonna put this light show behind your head. Yeah. You know, I thought that was cool, um, honestly. Yeah, I thought hey, that was a cool effect. Yeah. Um, it still is. Cool. Yeah, I think it still looks neat. Um, he, at no point did I ever feel like he was like, oh my god, just give me my paycheck nope. and. Let me get out and of here. none of the none you know of the I mean? pantheon. I thought Maggie Smith is really good in this. I yeah. think Burgess Meredith is good in this. I'm just a big Mer- Burgess Meredith fan. I love him in anything. Me too. I just love the way me he too. speaks. And and he's me got too. such an ability. You can give him some of the worst dialogue that's ever been written, and Burgess Meredith will find a way of saying that dialogue in a way that seems credible. And he does that here. Um, I I think by this point, by '81. We're definitely at the end of the road as far as practical effects, optical effects. They've yes. surpassed Harryhausen. Yes, this is true. This is true. Even mm. though they're still using stop motion at this at this yes. era, they're they're now being used a little bit more sparingly. It's not hanging all on that. Yes. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, but there was. Um, Another movie came out around this time. It's called um, Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Yep. Dragon Slayer. And yep. uh, they, they did a stop motion. If I remember right, they did a stop motion dragon, obviously, on that. But they did something that they never had before. They they somehow put a little blur to the wing motion. So it wasn't so animated looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that what they called? Uh, yeah. Is that go motion? Is that what they call it? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think this is off the top of my head and I could be remembering the completely wrong thing. And somebody's probably like, well, that idiot didn't know what he's talking about. It's this and that. But I seem to recall it being that particular movie. I could be. Wrong. Yeah. But you're right. This was this was the last hurrah for Harry Housen. And boy, he really went out. I mean, he went all out on this. He was like, we're 
this probably of all these movies, this might have the most creatures in yes. it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, I would. I may have to go back and count, but he's got a lot in here. A lot. So walk me through this. You see this in 1981. What's the experience like? How excited were you? What were your thoughts when you saw it for the first time? When did you eventually see it again? How long did you have to wait until it came out on home video or, or TV or cable? <laughs> Walk me through the whole thing. Tell me your story. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I saw it. Um, yeah, I saw it in the, in the theater. It was great. And again, much like the Sinbad movie, they don't make you wait. They show the Kraken early on. Yeah. Now, they don't give you a good full reveal on it, but you still get the idea of there's a giant monster. Yeah. And then... Um, and again, much like we, yourself, I when I was a kid, I was big into to Greek mythology. I knew the story. They stick to it pretty good. You know what I mean? They they take a few liberties, but more or less, this is this is a story of Perseus as, as it plays yeah. out within Bravo. Um, yeah, no, it was um, <clears throat> it was really great. Um, everybody, lo- there's always something that everybody loved or took away from this that they liked. You know. Somebody liked. Oh, I thought the Kraken looked really cool. But um, I remember I had a figure of the um, the uh, the ferryman, the the, the skeleton yes, um, uh, from the River Styx. Yeah, yeah, River Styx. Yeah, I had the, the the action figure of that guy. I mean, it was it just looked. That cool. was really you know cool. I mean? um, that still looks really yeah. cool. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Sure does. When you walked out of the theater, other than the, the <clears throat> River Styx guy death, when you walked out of the theater, what was the big thing that left an impression on you? Were like that was the cool special effect. I I think you know the Kraken looked really cool. Yeah. Um, like I said, he he went all out on this. There's a lot of stuff in here. You had, uh, you know, the scorpions look cool. The um, oh, I guess I guess the only thing that to me is I think there was when there a giant vulture or something that yeah I don't remember yeah yeah there's some birds like or something yes um oh the, the was this the one with the, this is the one with the, I'm now I'm maybe blending these this had the the harpies right where they they they, they had to capture the the harpies now I'm blaming the, them. Is the herpes this or Jason the Argonauts? <laughs> no, yeah, no. That's why. I'm, that's why yeah. I'm. Uh, they start to blur together. That is blurring together. I was thinking, um, Heather. Maybe that Heather, was, when do the harp- maybe that was Heather? We need you. When do the herpes show up? You know. <laughs> Leave a comment up below um, on this uh, episode. Yeah. Oh no. You know. Actually, you know, it was a really big hit. Was uh, Medusa? See, this. to me, when I think about this movie and being, because again. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, this is show. this movie is showing on TV as I'm growing up. You know, this is not, I'm not much older than, or I'm not much younger than this movie. So our, this, this was the one that was around all the time. It was yeah. played on HBO and ad nauseum. I felt like. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, um, so I, I saw, I've seen bits and pieces of this forever and ever. I've seen all the way through. It's been a while since I've seen all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of this. Like, it seems like my entire life basically. <laughs> And, um, but also just in the zeitgeist, man, like in the culture, like when, when you, when I heard Ray Harryhausen, the first, to this day, the first image that pops in my head is Medusa. Yes. Yeah. And the second that. image that pops in my head is the skeletons. Yeah. Skeletons is always number one for me, but I can see Medusa. Yeah. Those are the two there, things. Yeah. I, that's what I think of. I think of the skeletons. I think of, and anytime I've ever seen a skeleton effect, like an, uh, 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 Army of Darkness or anything like that. I'm like Harryhausen. Yes, yeah. Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Even in Terminator, I, I, like I said, I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, that's Ray Harryhausen. I just it just becomes synonymous with him. But also, first and foremost, it's Medusa. It's this movie for whatever reason, and it um, 
you know, it, it, I'll be, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, oh the Medusa still holds up. It, no, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. It's very obviously clay. But right. the sequence is really cool. Yes. And with the shield and him using the shield and tricking her with his own reflection and then, you know, cutting her head off and the way it all plays out and then her with the bow and arrow and just taking out all of his guys. It plays yeah. out very, very, very well. The scale of everything is perfected. And I guess the bottom line is when I look at this movie and I think about it, I think this guy over the 40, at this point, 40 years of his career has taken this just about as far as you possibly could. Because when you think of the Tippets, and that's really basically it, when you think of him, Tippet, he yeah. doesn't get much further than this. Right. It doesn't get much better than this. Even when you look like Empire, like Tauntaun, stuff like that, it's not much better yeah. than this. Really? Right. And I know it's only a couple of years after this, but that's like 83, right? So I know it's yeah. not, they're, they're basically contemporaries, but you know, even the RoboCop, which is closer to the end of the eighties, they had two Oh nines, not much better than what's in this movie. Well, and also that's, I think the Ed two Oh nine and, and, and to another extent, the ad ads from um, star Wars, you get, that's a little bit more forgiving. Cause that's a machine. Yes. So it's herky jerky. It's because the machine is herky jerky. Yeah, well, it, the, if, the, if the living creature is herky jerky. It looks well. Weird. The RoboCop when uh, what's his face goes out the window. <coughs> oh yeah, with the giant arms. Looks oh, weird. It looks terrible. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like that's that's that looks like something that Harry House did in the sixties. That looks like something from Sinbad. Yeah, that's awful. It, 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 I I never understood that. I, in, even in the eighties, they should have done better. Than yeah, that. I don't. I, that's just that effect has really never looked good. Um, it, it just it's distracting itself too. so it's interesting to look at this movie because now we're post star wars now we're post jaws yep. this is a contemporary so to speak they're they they want this to be a blockbuster and what yep. it really is is like there's we've talked about there's like this ebb and flow in history where the sword and sorcery sword and sandal movies were real popular we we already talked about that era with the mm-hmm. with you know jason argonauts and sinbad then they died. Yep. They died out. But then with high fantasy, high concept movies, become all the rage again post-Star Wars. Because everybody's like, we need our own Star Wars, right? And if they don't set it in space, right. so then we get the Conans, and we get this, and we get yep. all the whole... Excalibur. Excalibur even Red Sonja. Yep. We get, we get, you know, and, and we yep. get tons of low-rent straight-to-video ones of like oh, Death yeah. Stalker and Beastmaster and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, so this is like right there in that wave. And of course, who are you going to get? You're going to get the, the guy from all of those movies and they got him kind of now in the, the, towards the end of his career. And it, it, it's, it's impressive, but it does feel a little bygone. It does feel like it's like 1980. It's, it's a weird. Now you're almost in this uncanny valley because the movie, like the human characters, I mean, it looks old now, but it still looks more contemporary. Yeah. It, it, it looks like special effects from the 60s set in a movie made in the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah. And those two, yeah. those two well, aesthetics yeah. don't blend. Yeah. And you have a couple characters where, you know, a close up, it's a person in makeup from a distance. It, you know, both basically Calabos and, and Medusa. Yes. If it's close up, it's a person in makeup. If it's if once you pull away, 
it's a model and you really see the difference between the yeah the, the calibo stuff just that to me worked way less than the medusa stuff because yeah. he's they have him just like walking around rubble and scenery and stuff and I, you know, if he didn't have if he, if he didn't have a tail, he could have just been a guy in makeup the whole that's time. That's what I didn't understand. Why yeah. not just have yeah. him be a guy in makeup? Yeah. Every time they yeah, he didn't he didn't have he didn't have to be a model. Every time that's they right. cut wide, it's so obvious. It's just this clay, you know, yeah. Gumby figure walking around. It just it takes yes, you out of the movie. The yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, but I gotta tell you what, like going back to the Medusa yeah. thing, that was really unique. I mean, you think about. I mean, that was the first time they said, hey, you know what? It's not really perceived this way in, in mythology, but let's make her part rattlesnake. You know what I mean? What a, what a, what a, what a crazy thing to do. You know what I mean? And yeah. now it seems like every time you see Medusa in a movie, that's exactly what they do. Oh, I think they got that you Amazon know? commercial with Medusa. And, yeah, yeah, she's a rattlesnake. I was going to say that. Yeah. Amazon commercial, same thing. Yeah. You got a snake body. I mean, you could thank Carrie Housen for that, I guess. Wow. Yeah, what, you know what? When we think about him, what's likely true is he probably made no money. Uh, yeah yeah because he was a technical yeah. guy and you know even back it didn't really matter most people that made movies that played sports whatever didn't make a lot of money even in their time unless you were like a star star or a, a um, producer or a head of a studio a lot of the folks that worked in the sort of the old days of hollywood they didn't make a lot they were craftsmen they didn't make a lot of money yep and uh, it's still true this day for a lot of people behind the scenes. They don't make a ton of money. We don't think of it like that, but yeah. it's true. Well, especially the people that do the CGI work. There yeah. was a uh, documentary. I don't know if you saw that one. It was a documentary about the people that did the CGI work on uh, Life of Pi. How they uh, how that that movie bankrupted them. I remember that. And, yeah, um, and then they, and they won they won the Oscar for best special effects after they had already closed up shop wow. because the, all the because they had to eat the cost on on whenever they decide to redo a scene you wow. know yeah <clears throat> it's really interesting it made you feel bad for these people they talk about they work these like you know 80 90 hour weeks and and for nothing you know and that's the thing it's like okay ray harryhausen in a garage somewhere the camera yeah. doing just like the slightest tiniest manipulations yeah. frame yeah, by frame and then here i am this punk <laughs> born <laughs> in a different decade just toss it off and be like blah it sucks i don't feel like i really said that but but it is what it yeah. is you know i mean you know you're used to a certain yeah. level of you know that's what you're used to so. it's so it, we're so time bound i think is the moral of the story yeah. here and I, I, I like this movie. I did not like this movie as much as Jason the Argonaut. So, therefore, it is my number three. And I'm going to give it a 6.75 out of 10. Harry Hamlin stinks. And he has <laughs> never been good. He is the wrong Perseus. And, again, it's, just, it's like the Simbad thing again, where it's like, yeah, there, there are bits and pieces of this that, you know, again, the Pantheon here is great. There's bits yeah. and pieces here of the story and everything else. It's like interesting. And yet in the middle of it, we have this absolutely bland male lead. <laughs> and I don't understand. He's obviously was like a handsome guy, but other than that, it's right. like, I had never seen him in anything before this. Is this, this must've been his big, I think it was, it had well, to have been coming yeah. out party. And then after this, it was, 
then he was on LA Law. Yeah, it was, like he was TV and, mostly, right? Yeah. I remember him mostly right, from TV. Right. And I obviously now, knew it was him in this, but. Now, here's something I didn't realize until I was looking up information on this earlier. Apparently, they wanted Schwarzenegger for the lead, but there was so much dialogue, it wouldn't work. You know what I mean? They're like, we, well, he had done we uh, what, Her- Hercules well, in New York at this point. Right. Well, in that, they, they dubbed <laughs> they over. Yeah, but they dubbed over. Too. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think by the time this came out, isn't Conan, Conan out? Been out? Yeah. yeah. Conan is out, but he didn't, he didn't really speak a lot in the movie. You know what I mean? And when he did, it, it made sense for a barbarian to talk like that. So I think this one had a lot, you know, of of dialogue that I guess it wouldn't work with him in there. And again, this is what I'm just reading on on online. So yeah, um, how much truth is behind it, or how much <laughs> of his legend? I don't know. You know. Yeah. So when you get out of the theater, did you still only see it once in theaters, or was this a repeat viewing for you? Um, I don't remember. If I saw it again. <clears throat> my dad was uh uh spin thrifty i guess you know so if i saw it again it was probably at a dollar yeah. show which you know those things don't i don't think exist anymore but yeah I'm, if i saw it again it was probably more like at a, at a dollar show yeah you know what i mean so did, um, did you ever did you end up owning this or recording this off of tv i recorded i recorded it off tv yeah. when it when right like you said when it ran on hbo it ran a lot yeah. and i yeah i had this recorded on on some blank tape somewhere, I guess. Yeah. So, do you, is, yeah. And then of course just watching when it came on. Is TV. this in your collection now? Do you have this in Blu-ray or, you know, I had this on DVD a long time ago. And then, um, one time I was doing a purge and I was like, you know, I'm probably never going to watch this. Again. <laughs> and I got rid of it. You know what I mean? Well, I think I got rid of know? it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but now it's on, uh, you, can, you know, I think I rewatched it. Um, the other week it was on, it's on HBO max. Yes. Yeah. Know, it's, so. it's on HBO max. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. and you know I, as you, which is as hilarious you said, right because they played it to death on hbo and now it's just on hbo right max. right they, yeah they exactly. must have a piece and of it's it funny or something. That you said about um the thing you said about jason argonix being like it ran on too long i kind of felt that when i was rewatching. This. yes it does like, i was just kind of like oh my god is it really uh is this still going they still haven't gotten to the the witches yet they haven't gotten to this yet. oh it takes forever to get to those witches <laughs> yeah yeah this I, mean, I understand one, it's an odyssey but it really feels like an odyssey you're yes you're right they get to the creatures quick but it that that's yeah. the weird thing okay that's what knocked this that's what knocked this movie down a few pegs for me because yeah, yeah it, we're immediately in high fantasy but for the actual human story the quest perseus yeah. going on this quest it takes forever to get there yeah it takes forever for you know yeah it just for him to even meet burgess meredith that takes forever yeah. and then they hang around in that place for a while and then they go back yeah. to with this other place and then yeah it's and i know I, you're right i know what they're going for they're going for they want you to make it feel like this huge epic and i was thinking about this as watching this movie in particular i was like okay you're gonna kill me matt here but uh, i've never been the world's biggest lord of the rings movies fan okay Oh, okay. No, I can see that. My favorite of the three was, uh, ironically, the one that I liked the most was the the Two Towers. Okay, which sure. I think I put that makes me an anomaly, but I haven't revisited them in a long. No, it's, I haven't. Re- it's it's a good movie. It's solid. I haven't revisited yeah. them in a long time, so I don't. I know I saw them on theaters, so and I owned I yep. owned them all, but I haven't watched them in a long, long time. So I might have to revisit them at some point. But what this movie did, and what all of these movies really did, but what this movie in particular did is it made me appreciate those movies so much more ah, because yeah, 20 years later, 
Yeah. I've seen a lot of bad fantasy movies. I've seen Crawl. Oh, yeah. And a lot of bad yep. fantasy movies. <laughs> I was just watching Crawl last night. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> what was the end of it? I was flipping channels. I was like, it was literally like 1.30 in the morning. And I was like, uh, Crawl's on. You know, I was like, and then I, I, I think I fell asleep before it even ended. Oh, I'm sure you did. And it is, that is bad. Yeah, it's very oh, bad. bad. And this is better bad. than Crawl for sure, but. Oh yeah, hands down. Are you kidding me? But but even this is not that good. And I, and I was like, as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, all these stories are interesting. And you take Harryhausen, you move him aside. If you could just get these characters and these stories right, and it was just I, I had in my notes like, has no one made a good epic fantasy? And then it clicked. It was like, oh no, the Lord of the Rings movies. And what you realize is what an achievement. Yeah, Peter Jackson yeah. was able to pull off not with the Hobbit films, but with an, no, I didn't, I didn't care for the Hobbit. But films. with the that, that and, Lord of the Rings trilogy should not have worked, and it did, and it changed the game, and it was so. And then also, as we're recording this, not that long ago, a movie called The Northman came out. Yeah, I watched it. We just saw that uh, just the other night. Very good. And I was like, because I was like, if what this these movies did, they they wet my appetite for an epic historical fantasy whatever's film like man there's gotta yep. the stuff is here there's gotta be somebody who's made a good one and i've never seen excalibur it's been on my watch list for a long time oh that's that's a very good it's movie. like four very hours long so i have not gotten to it yet well, is it though i don't remember it being it's that three long. hours it's, close it's, to three I, hours it yeah. is it? okay yeah. yeah it's on my list though i'm, I'm a big fan and i'm i'm figuring yeah. i'm trying to figure out a way to work it into a future episode of the show but uh, I, then I have to watch it. Um, but man, but then we realize, like, no, man, it's the Lord of the Rings and and, and the Northmen. It's but they're few and far between, and the vast majority of them are of this tier or much, 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 much lower. So oh yeah, definitely. so this is the mi middle well, of the road yeah. for me because after a certain point, it just again, it felt like it took forever to get going on the quest, and then it felt like we're still like. Like last half hour, we're still going. And this is one of the longer yeah. ones. This one is. Yeah, it, it, it feels every minute of, that's it. of, of the link. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. it, it, it really does. Now, did you see the remake of this? I did, and I've reviewed it on this show, and it is a terrible film. Yeah, it's not good. Now, even worse is the sequel. Yes. To it. That's so bad, it makes the other one actually look decent. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I've never understood how Sam Worthington became a movie star. I've Never in my life can figure out <laughs> how that guy was headlining movies, big blockbuster one after the next. One flop. He's like a piece of wood. <laughs> well, but there was, but I mean, like Avatar, huge movie. There he is. That's right. You know, Terminator was, Salvation. He was in this. Oh, that was a terrible, terrible. terrible. Yep. So, what is this? What's the score <laughs> anyway. for this? Where is it ranked for you? Um, this ranked. I gotta go back to my notes. I know it ranked number two. On my list, um, I had it about six point nine seven, maybe. And again, and the more I talk about it now, especially talking about the pacing and stuff, I'm wondering if I shouldn't lower this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's 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 hard because yeah. again, you know, I was you know whatever you know nine years old when this came out, and in nine or ten, and and it's very exciting. You're like, wow, look at this. It's very cool. This is, but. You know, as an adult, yeah. When I tried watching it on HBO Max the other week, it was like, this is a little bit of a slog. I do like that. The one thing I like the best about it is they let him go out. You know, they said, you know, if this is Harry Harryhausen's last yeah. movie, 
let him go nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they really let him go nuts. So I really do like the, the like I said, Medusa looks great. Kraken looks great. You know, a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. But, you know, Harry Hamlin, yeah, not so great. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. You know, it, it's funny. The more we talk about this, the more I'm reevaluating my <laughs> list. But, you know, and now I'm like, God, why did I put Mighty Joe Young so slow when it's hard for me to defend these other ones? But, uh, you know, well, I'm going to. Well, it. speaking of so low, it's time for a <laughs> recap. Coming number five yes. for me is The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. I give that a, uh, what did I say here? What did I say? Four out of 10, something like that, I think. Uh, number four is It Came from Beneath the Sea, which I gave a five out of 10. Number three is Clash of the Titans, which I gave a 6.75 out of 10. Number two is My Namesake, Jason the Argonaut, 7 out of 10. And number one is Mighty Joe Young with a 7.5 out of 10. What is your recap? Okay. My lowest of the low is It Came From Beneath the Sea. That's um, I'm giving that one a generous five. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Um, again, I, God, I, I almost hate to say this. Mighty Joe Young, I have number four. And I had that at a 6.8. I had, um, this is going to sound weird saying it now. I had Sinbad at three and at a 6.9. But again, this is based off me liking the the creatures. Yeah. This is not basing it. This is an unfair judgment. I'm not judging on the movie itself. Or in that case, Mighty Joe Young would leapfrog over quite a few of these. Um, Clash of the Titans, I had number two at a, just around a solid seven. And then Jason the Argonauts, I had. Uh, I have it scribbled here. I can't tell if it's a nine or an eight, but I'll just I'll just go ahead and say I'll go ahead and say nine. You know what the heck with it? No, you, no, I really it was a nine. It was a nine. I, I'm, I'm 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 sticking with my guns. It's a it's nine. A nine yeah, you know I, I mean? choked. I choked. Yeah. Choked on my water when you said it the first time. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. You're like oh, he's crazy. No. <laughs> nine. What is this? If you could only recommend one movie off of this list, what's your recommendation? Oh, Jason Argonauts. It's, 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 I don't even have to think twice about that. If you had to guess what my recommendation say, if, if is. If I just tell somebody to watch one Harry Housen movie, that's it. If you had to guess what my recommendation is, what would you guess? <clears throat> Mighty Joe Young, yeah, just based on, on, yeah. on, yeah. And, and, and granted, of all these, that's probably the best story, I yeah. guess, just because it's, you know, the, the humans are interesting more than, and the others, but I do find the, the, the human's interesting in, in Jason. You know what I mean? I, it's, you know, they're not that memorable. I couldn't even tell you the name of the actors off the top of my head. <laughs> That's what's <laughs> <You know? laughs> You put a gun in my head. And I was like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Who played Jason? I'm like, I no don't know. No clue. But that goes <laughs> yeah, back no to clue. how this entire thing kicked off. When we talked about these movies, we said, you don't think about the actors. You don't think about the directors. You don't think about the right. You won't even know who right. they are. You yep. will, but you know that because of Ray Harryhausen. So, yes, absolutely. I want, you to, I want absolutely. you to bring us home here, and I want you to to if if somebody is listening to this and they've never seen a Ray Harryhausen movie, we've just gone on about him for a couple hours, and they've stuck with us this long. What do you want their takeaway to be about Ray Harryhausen? I think we tried to construct, as we talked about the movie, a narrative to do him justice, but I but I, yeah, put a put a put a put a button on it. If you had to summarize, I, I would say, who is Ray Harryhausen? Why does he matter? Not just to you, but to yeah. movies in general. <laughs> I think just an appreciation of the craft that he brought. I mean, that is a very time-consuming process. And it's a lot harder to get off a special effect of shooting a thing one frame at a time 
than have somebody in a phony rubber suit running around and that's your monster. You know what I mean? Or, and I'm going to tell you right now, there were some really bad, you know, uh, fantasy sci-fi movies in the 70s where they would take like a, uh, they buy a lizard from the, the, the store and tape a big fin to the back and say that was a dinosaur. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, it's, I, I think just appreciation of, of the design, the craft, the artistry that goes with what he brought to movies. And, and I think it, it spills over into the, like you said, into the eighties, even up to now, you, you can see appreciation of, of, of what he's done with some, filmmakers today absolutely well i couldn't have said it better myself if our folks want to find you where are you at on the internet man get your, your um, plug what are you, what are you doing when you're not yeah. on real spoilers what do you what do you do <laughs> yeah um you, you know I, I like posting my illustrations on on instagram i've um matt reedy 219 is my handle so that's where i post most of my new stuff so and you are again a graphic designer do you design work yeah yeah dude uh, uh art director for Purina. And then, uh, I do a lot of illustration and stuff on the side. Are you open for commissions? Always, always. Okay. So you gotta put that out there, man. That reminds me, I actually have a commission I got to work on tonight. So <laughs> well, I won't hold you up. You got money to be okay. made. I hope yeah, that's right. That we right. hope that I have, uh, given Heather her money's worth. Heather. I hope so too. I, I'm hope she's not cursing right now. Like, why did you have this guy on here when you could have had me? Yeah, Heather, like, Matt, uh, Matt yeah, gave it his A game, and if you think it stunk, it's not our fault. It's Kevin's fault. So that's well. I can't wait to hear Heather's take on these. I'd like to hear her ranking. That's it, yeah. Heather, and everybody else listening. Yeah. If you have watched these Harryhausen films, or you, hey, maybe you've decided after this episode you want to dive into some of these because what else you got to do in your life? Uh, let us know what your <laughs> rankings are. Like what, first of all, tell us what have you seen? What have you haven't seen? Tell us, do you know who Ray Harryhausen is children? Do you know? <laughs> and if you do, what are your thoughts about him? And, and what's the first creature that comes to your mind when you think about Ray Harryhausen? And then how would you rank these movies? So, uh, are you on Twitter, Matt? Um, I'm on Twitter. I've, ne- I've set a Twitter like six years ago and I've never used it. Well, so don't, tag- I, I think it's the same. I think it's also, I think it's also Matt Reedy 219 on Twitter, but don't tag, I couldn't tell you last time. Don't tag Matt on Twitter, but you can tag us at binge movies. Yeah. If you're listening yeah. to this and you want to sponsor an episode for some far flung thing in film that you're interested in, go to binge movies.podbean.com hit sponsor an episode. You will find all the links you need there. If you want to become a monthly supporter, get access to exclusive, shows that are only on patreon that are completely different from what we do elsewhere and uh, live streams watch alongs bonus content written reviews so much more and voting power uh, we have so many different benefits head over to patreon.com slash binge movies we've got three tiers left remaining uh find the tier that works best for you and uh, they all come with different levels of of uh, bonus access and bonus features and special stuff so uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Our patrons help this show keep going. And if you don't have any extra money, I completely understand. You don't want to sponsor an episode, I completely understand. Here's something you can do for us to support us absolutely free. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. On both those platforms, you can leave us a five-star review. If you want to write something, that really helps too. Tell us why you like binge movies. And uh, and uh, if you can't come up with the time to write a review, then at least give us that five stars. Makes a difference. So many people have found this show 
because either somebody shared it on social media or because of a written review and it bumped us up in the old algorithm. So feed the algorithm. Feed. Yes, very important. That's very important. And always give five stars. Don't ever give four stars to things. That's the worst. Give five stars or nothing. This guy's not no. even, you don't even have a podcast, do you, Matt? No, but, you know, I get uh, the same algorithm on my Etsy site. So Bingo. I know that shares and everything. Yeah, it's it all comes down to that. Yeah, so. thank you so much, Matt, for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jason. I hope I didn't go on too no, long. That was and, great. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, get uh, find Matt's illustrations. Get him a commission. Give him <laughs> some money. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Go to his Instagram and say thanks for being on Binge Movies. Give him a follow if you're over on that social media platform, Matt. Really appreciate it. I'm going to let you get to your work that actually pays you something. So (laughs) until next time, everybody, binge on. Very good. Thank you very much, Jason. I really appreciate it.